Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Niche Podcast about the one thing that knows something about game shows, I suppose. I'm your host, Jordan Haas. This is a very special episode. This is our 50th episode of game shows, I suppose. So I decided this is one for for the record books. We got to do something from the heart. So we'll be talking about Press Your Luck today. With a couple of my friends, Jeremy Salmon and Natalie Schur. Uh It's going to be a lot of fun, but like always, we have to get through the news. Courtesy of the Rep, Family Feud format will expand to South Africa and Ghana. Steve Harvey will host both adaptations? Family Feud is headed to Africa, and Steve Harvey is going along for the ride, or flight. It's a very long flight. Harvey will host South African and Ghana versions of the popular game show. Rapid Blue will be his through Steve Harvey Global and Fremontel's local production partner on the ground over there. Bringing Family Feud to Africa has been a dream of mine. Harvey, who has hosted the American version of the format since 2010. That's right, folks. Almost the whole decade set on Monday. I believe Family Feud will become a household name for local South African and Ghanaian families. And it's just the beginning in Africa. I expect the show to lead to multiple media and business projects in and throughout the continent. The Johannesburg version will begin production in the fourth quarter of 2019 and begin airing in Africa in the second quarter of 2020. We are thrilled to be working closely with Steve Harvey and his team to produce two African versions of Family Feud, said Duncan Irvine, CEO of Rapid Blue. Family is the cornerstone of life in South African Ghana, and we are confident that we will see some wonderful families take part and that both seasons will resonate well with audiences here. We are planning additional projects with Steve Harvey and his team for viewers here in Africa, so watch this space. Rapid Blue, which is part of BBC Studios' international family of production companies, has also made African versions of global formats, such as Dancing with the Stars, X Factor, the Got Talent series, Shark Tank, and Project Runway. We have a long-standing relationship with Steve Harvey, and once we heard about his dream about making our iconic format to Africa, we partnered to make it a reality. Anahita Keter, Fremontal Senior Vice President of Sales and Distribution for the Middle East, Africa, and Southeastern Europe added. Rapid Blue has been our trusted partners across the region for many years, so it makes sense to join them up with Steve Harvey Global to make the local African versions of Family Feud. So, I, I just wanted to start with this great note. This is actually a really cool idea. I mean, Family Feud, as I've said in the Family Feud episode with Maddie Smith, is one of the most licensed licensed game shows out there. Not as much as, as Millionaire, but right up there. And I think it is because of the family dynamic that is a part of the show. And the fact that this is going into South Africa is telling me this is going to be great. It's kind of weird that they had a version of, of like a wipeout before they had a version of Family Feud. When you consider the budgetary feel of, of, of Family Feud, which is just two buzzers and like a television monitor and like a studio. Like that's all you really need for Family Feud. And this is such a nice game. It's very funny. And I'm kind of glad this is going international. And the, the shocking news is it's Steve Harvey hosting the version in South Africa and Ghana. Because typically, uh, you know, you'll pick some local celebrity there to, to pick it. Um, so that's kind of interesting to me, at least. 
uh, I don't really know that many South African comedians, to be honest. So I was kind of thinking in, in that round. But Steve Harvey is an international name at this point. And considering the viral success of the U.S. version of this show, why not take it to uh, to Africa? I'm surprised that he didn't do Canada. I'm surprised he didn't do uh, the U.K. for Family Fortunes. But hey, you know, he's expanding his brand. I thought he was overworking himself, but it turns out he's doing like a nice side hustle, as it were, uh, to take Family Feud into an international field. And I'm not, I'm not one to dis- like to, to guess this early. I'm going to say this is going to be a big success over there. I think this is going to be a, a fun success, and I think a lot of people will enjoy it. And then, like, you're going to hear about it here in America, and you're going to be like, wait, Family Feud's in, in Africa, and so Steve Harvey has to fly over there to host it? That makes that's no that makes no sense. And then you're like, yeah, wait till you find out how much a rand costs. Like, that's going to be even more of a shocker to you. Um, also, uh, in other news, uh, there is not one, but two great new shows coming soon. Uh, Freeform packages the ultimate holiday gift wrapping series with (sighs) Rap Battle. The series will be hosted by Cheryl Underwood and Carson Kressley and Wanda Wen serving as judges. Freeform packages the ultimate holiday gift wrapping series with Rap Battle. Cheryl Underwood says host, Carson Kressley, Wen, and Linda Judge, Candy Spelling, Sandra Lee, Sherry Cola, Diggy Simmons, Lala Kent, and Sabrina Soto to serve as guest judges. Winner to design custom holiday paper to be sold at Paper Source and be featured guest rapper at Brookfield Properties. So, no collection. <sighs> Freeform announced that the production is done today for the holiday gift wrapping series Rap Battle in LA. The six episode series will follow nine contestants as they battle become the ultimate rapper. And it knows this is rapper with W R A P P. ER and take home the coveted grand prize valued at fifty thousand dollars. The series will be hosted by Cheryl Underwood from the Talk with Carson Kressley, Rufus Gregory, Gary Room, Carson and Tom, and Wanda Wen, uh, founder of fine jewelry and luxury uh, paper brand Sulip, serving as judges. All right, uh, nine contestants will be challenged to create eye-popping gift wrapping masterpieces and inspire viewers to push their own holiday gift wrapping to a whole new level. Uh, each episode will pit the country's most inventive and artistic gift wrappers against one another as they battle it out holiday style in challenges ranging from creating the most over-the-top gift basket to wrapping some of the most outrageous objects. In unprecedented collaboration with Paper Source, because that's the only way they're going to make money off in this show, <clears throat> I'm sorry, what? Uh, the winner of Rap Battle will receive a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to design their own custom holiday wrapping paper to be sold in at least 120 stores across the country. In addition, the winner will get to showcase their show their talent, the Sono Collection, Brookfield Properties, one of kind destination in Norwalk, Connecticut, designed to create fashion, art, and culture. The winner will be a part of the main event for the new in uh, interactive holiday experience and will receive a $1,000 shopping spree. <laughs> Whoa, a thousand bucks. And a trip to Connecticut? Wow. Um, not going to lie, this show it sounds pretty crappy. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's a niche. And as we've established, game shows cater to the niches. And there are a lot of people who do take wrapping gifts seriously, as well as, as gift baskets and other stuff. I, I think it's kind of weird how they're going to handle this. But, you know, 
maybe it's trying to be like clean maybe it's trying to be what's the nice organized i don't know what what's the criteria for for a gift wrap based game show that's kind of the interest but at the same time is there enough for me to go on freeform to watch this now if there was some sort of like find the perfect gift for somebody competition and then create a gift basket hey that would be cool that'd be a cool competition everyone gets this like the theme is is like a baby shower and you have a thousand bucks to create a cool baby shower gift basket something like that would have been a little more intriguing to me but this doesn't really sound like that and that's kind of where i'm kind of oh but hey, uh, Lala Kent from Vanderpump Rules is a judge. So, you know, I can't really get annoyed. Everyone knows I'm a fan of the pump. Uh, so let's keep going here. Uh, Chadwick Boyd and Emily Hutchinson cast as judges in new baking competitions cookie, Christmas cookie mashup <clears throat> for Crown Media. All right, Chadwick Boyd and Emily Hutchinson, two of American Media's Top food and baking personalities have been tapped as judges for Hallmark Dramas. First all-new series, Christmas Cookie mash- Matchup. It, it follows the primetime series, When Calls the Heart, featuring Jack Wagner's host. <sighs> okay, uh, in this five-part weekly series, kicks off a pool of two-person teams, with each consisting of one home baker alongside a different star from When Calls the Heart. When Calls the Heart, starring Jack Wagner as host, along with Aaron Krakow, Pascal Hutton, Kevin Smith, Chris McNally, Kevin McGarry, Paul Green, and Andrea Books. Okay, so one of those people gets paired with a home baker, and they have to uh, judge, and then each episode, Boyd and Hunchin will serve as judges as the contestants go spatula to spatula. Did you really hate these press releases? <laughs> In a variety of Christmas cookie and holiday dessert competitions. One team will be eliminated each week, and at the end, only one pair of cookie counselors will prevail with the top baker winning a $25,000 grand prize. So what does the, uh, the, the, the other, what does the, the actor get? Does the actor get like 25000 for like a charity as well, or they're just there to not screw up as much? Uh, I, this is a Hallmark channel. I just want the I just want those weird movies where the rich billionaire buys up Christmas or something. That's all I'm really there for. I'm not here for Christmas cookies. But look, between gift wrapping and Christmas cookies, Christmas is right around the corner, folks. So give the gift that really counts: um, books or money or something i'm sure there's gonna be a video game tie-in coming soon for these game shows and then we leave us to our most important news of the day leslie jones has quit saturday night live now for a lot of people that would just be like what does this have to do with game shows because saturday night live but leslie jones announced also according to deadline that she is going to be slated to host the reboot for Supermarket Sweep for Fremontal Media. We talked about this a long time ago. We talked about Supermarket Sweep in their revival in their reboot. And, I mean, they're already re- doing it right now. They're filming it in, in the UK with Ryland, Clark Neal. So this is the American version. 
As reported earlier today, Saturday Night Live standalone list Jones is leaving SNL. Uh, Deadline Canal revealed that one of those projects is Supermarket Sleep, a reboot of the classic TV show that Jones will be hosting and executive producing. From the revival with Fremontal, they've been generating a lot of interest with multiple networks bidding on it, both traditional broadcasters and streamers. The list includes ABC, NBC, Fox, and Netflix. Uh, as we know, that's that's a pretty big list because ABC already has a lot of game show reboots, and Leslie is a known name on a lot of those shows. NBC is in the catering for SNL, so this is a nice transition to go from SNL to to Supermarket Sweep. Fox does not have a reboot of a game show, and Netflix is streaming media, which means they can condense it however they want based on how thin the, the sweep totals are. Um... NBC would want to keep her. She is going to be covering the uh, Olympic Games coming up as well. Uh, if you've never seen the show before, I made an episode about that. Uh, essentially, contestants answer questions about shopping or pop culture, and then they win like time that they get to go shopping in a supermarket where they collect as much things from a shelf as possible and put it in the cart with the most value of the three teams uh, winning their money and going on to playing a final scavenger hunt uh, for for bigger money, like five thousand, or I'm guessing in this reboot, twenty five thousand uh, dollars. So, but that's that's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm excited. I, I I think Leslie Jones would be great. Um, they're, they're filming Sleep Mercy for ITV two for Ryan Clark. Yeah, I knew that part. Uh, Leslie Jones is with CAA, so that's telling me uh caa is doing a package deal with her and fremontal media to do the supermarket sleep revival and they're doing the bidding war right now as we speak because that's the way these game shows are run these days i'm got, i mean i'm excited I, I mean i can't i can't get so disappointed i i like leslie jones i think she's funny i could just hear her standing on the sidelines like just screaming at the teams like get the ruffles girl and just like start screaming at them like no no it, no no go over there over there that's where the yogurt is the yogurt over there and, and, and something tells me that's gonna be more funny because she because something tells me she's gonna have a nervous breakdown sitting over at the checkout line um but i i i i know I, I, i'm starting to feel jaded over these game shows i mean like for the 50th episode, this is supposed to be a big celebration, and it, I don't know how to feel right now. It feels like um, every time I call what the next game show sensation is going to be, uh, it, it gets passed over. I feel like I, I feel like it, it's sort of like you're, you, the, the be careful what you wish for uh, scenario here, because it's like, oh, uh, jo- Jordan for... Uh, Card Sharks, Joel McHale gets it. Jordan for a Crystal Maze, and now it's on Nickelodeon. Jordan for Supermarket Sleep, and now Leslie Jones is taking over. And I'm now on the firm belief I don't think I'll ever get to host a game show ever. So this life sucks. But the positive, I guess I'm ahead of the curve. I kind of see where things are going. It seems like it's because it's cheap and it's easy way to package things and you can give money to a lot of these bigger celebrities because these package deals. I mean, that, that that's kind of how a lot of these shows work these days. Uh, so I'm just going to throw off a whole bunch off the top of my head. Uh, sale of the Century, Remote Control, Password, Win, Lose, or Draw, uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple, 
uh, Finders Keepers, The Mole. There, I'm sure one of those will end up getting picked up. Uh, we'll see who wants to be a millionaire return. I don't. I'm getting in a real slump, as it were. This is this is just getting into sad news. Um, I I don't know. Like at this point, I don't think I can host a game show, which which sucks. But I I still have this game show podcast where my big problem is, you know, making sure I have an episode every week with a guest. It happens. Uh, very stressful, as it turns out, to make a podcast, even if it's a thing you like. Uh. But I'm excited for Leslie. I'm excited to hear about this new supermarket sleep. I want to see what happens. And something tells me it's going to be great. But at the same time, does no one know I exist? I, I kind of thought that would be fun. You know, your brand's game shows and you're kind of funny and quirky and you know them. <sighs> Plus I'm single? This sucks. Welcome to the 50th episode of Game Shows, I Suppose. This podcast is not supposed to be about me, but rather the shows discussed. To me, game shows are all around us, and we don't even know it. The goal of this podcast is to put these tests of game theory out there and try, attempt, to put them on a pedestal as the piece of cult television that they are, not just here, but around the world. One of the most popular questions I get is, what got you into game shows? And I figure, today's episode is the one worth talking about. Press Your Luck, a game show that debuted as Second Chance in the 1970s before getting canceled and became this piece of Americana in the 1980s at a time when greed is good is at the height of Reagan-era economics in television's most competitive game where contestants hope to make others fail in order to be rich. It attempts to be rebooted not once, but twice, through the Game Show Network and again this year on ABC Summer Fun and Games. Of all the game shows worth talking about, this is the show that has the most meaning to me. But it's worth noting that it's currently resting on my favorite game shows list at number two. Jeremy Salmon from Giving the Microphone to the Wrong Person and Natalie Schur from Meta Machina stopped by just to find out what's going on. So let's rotate this giant podium island and let's turn the tables. With me on the line is one of the hosts of Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person, Jeremy. And... Natalie, also. Yes, this is Nat. I'm the host of Meta Machina podcast. Yes, everyone in the uh, in the future, everyone will have a podcast that each, each episode will run way over 15 minutes. I mean, this is about oh. it because this is like a two hour podcast about game shows, but the interview portion is about like 45 minutes to an hour, so we're fine. That's cool. Yeah, we shoot the shit. It's it's, yeah, a, it's, it's a nice nice it's a nice Saturday uh, Saturday mid morning. I have already been. Uh, podcasting for a couple hours today uh, on my own show, Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person, available at soundcloud.com slash giving the mic. Um, so I am uh, fired up and actually not having finally been able to shove a breakfast burrito into my face and get more caffeine. Um, I am. Uh, I, <laughs> you already got caffeine. I'm You're perfect I, I, to be a contestant on today's game show. 
Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really ready and willing to go. Uh, ready, ready and willing to go, Peter. These three people are after big bucks, but they'll have to avoid the whammy and they play the most exciting game of their lives. From Television City in Hollywood, it's time to press your luck. And here's the star of Press Your Luck, Peter Tamarkin. All right, that was the Rod Roddy intro. Um, I have to bring that up because whenever I, when I was a kid and I first saw Press Your Luck, uh, when I heard the phrase "most exciting game of their lives," I almost, impl- <laughs> I almost implied it like it's a life or death scenario for these yeah, that, contestants. Yeah that, yeah, that has kind of that's a bit more, um, more nefarious uh, uh, implementation. Like if they do not, if they hit the whammy, <laughs> the whammy comes out and kills you. Yeah, yeah but instead, the instead the flip happens. The whammy dies. Typically, yeah. uh, we In are talking end. Press Your Luck. Uh, this is one of my all-time favorite game shows with some of my all-time favorite people. Excellent. Hello. Uh, glad to know. Uh, so, uh, Press Your Luck, uh, just to get some, some quick debut, uh, it made it start in September 19th, 1983. Uh, essentially, it is one of the most iconic game shows in America. But before it became Press Your Luck, it was known in the 70s by a game called Second Chance which featured a similar game. People answered trivia questions, and then for based on the correct answers, they would go through a light board of, of different screens. They would stop uh, with their little buzzer, and whatever it lands on, that's what they win. But back then, it wasn't a whammy. It was a devil. Very, uh, yeah, it, very... Too satanic. It, yes, satanic panic. You know, it's like um, an exorcist had just been released in the theaters. Yes, if you get a chance, folks, check out... I did not know until, uh, quote-unquote, researching... By I'm researching, it's I research, told you. <laughs> yeah, and you, well, you actually told me... Well, yes, and... Um, yes, and... See, we're, we're podcasters. We're, we're improvers, yes, too. And, very yeah, funny. Yeah, that, too. My last <laughs> no, I, 10 years ago was my last improv class. Um... That, yeah, there was this earlier version, this earlier, this was, I don't, could you even call this a beta version? This yeah, was like yeah. like a pre-alpha release of Pressure Luck the Game. This like, Look up Second Chance Game Show on YouTube, folks. It's, um... In, in that version, uh, it was, there's a question, everyone writes down an answer. If you get it right on the nose, you get three. But then, you could, if you want to change your answer, and, and switch it for one spin... And back then, the the board uh, didn't have this like boop 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 noise. This it was very seventies. Yeah, just this seventy, and just would just rattle in a lot faster and just kind of rattle through things. It was uh, you could tell they were you know it was they were um, yeah they they still had more than a few bugs to work out. There was not a lot of tech back in the seventies. It was just the light grid and a slide projector behind it when there was like a uh, gift. Because the gift was just a present. It was like a surprise. You won a China set. Mm-hmm. When it went to press your luck in the 80s, especially the early editions, uh, it was just a, a board monitor and, a, and every one of these big boards. There are 16 slides on the big board. Uh, and each one of them has one of three options. So what happens is a, a basically a random computer displays one set of slides. And then in an RNG, like heads or tails flips to the next slide so you never know what the next thing is going to get so you could end up with like four whammies on a board or three whammies or all prizes or it's all bizarre yeah Uh, but the most iconic thing that came from this especially in the early early episodes was the fact that the board pattern as in where the lights flash from one corner to the next to one square to the next 
would eventually uh, get get shown uh, by a weird ice cream man by the name of Michael Larson. For a lot of people who are familiar with Press Your Luck, they are familiar with a guy named Michael Larson. They go, wasn't that the game where the guy memorized the pattern or the guy who rigged the game? Or He didn't rig the game. He just memorized the code. If he rigged it, he would not win his prize money. Yeah, the um, the, it's much like the 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 person you you uh, I would say the person you knew because it was, might have been a bit it was like the folks who memorized like ghost patterns in Pac-Man. Or yeah, it's like it's kind of like that. It, it's so fascinating. Uh, so so the fun part is Jeremy not only watched the Pressure Luck episode, not only watched Second Chance, he watched the documentary, the Game Show Network turned out pointing out the story. Now that's a whole episode in and of itself. Um, the tr- it, well, in, it originally it was two episodes, even. Yes. So he no. took so many spins. <laughs> Michael Larson. He did, they had to carry over to a part two, and he won. And this is not kidding. One hundred ten thousand two hundred thirty-seven dollars in nineteen eighty-four. What, what, what do you think the exchange rate of that is? That'd be at least like right now, it's not doubled. Is it? My favorite part of that. He was burglarized for fifty thousand dollars in cash because he was trying to do a radio show where he had like yes. I think it was all in ones. <laughs> he was trying to read dollar bills. So, so a common radio occurrence, and this was, I believe, in your numbers up as well, is if you have a serial number uh, and it matches this, please come to the station and you will win a bigger prize. <laughs> so, when they're like, if you have the last digit of seven one one four. You get $50,000. So here's Michael Larson going to the bank and getting $50,001 bills. Like, yeah, literal, like, literal sacks of cash just like there in the apartment. Now ready imagine for taking. that with the window up. So you just see a huge <laughs> sack of money. Like comical, like, uh, you know, Monopoly, uh, Monopoly graphics. Size. He literally uh, became the whammy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it went missing. The money yeah. won't know what happened. It's, yeah, the, uh, the, the, the doc. What was it? I can't. But, but yeah, they just do a certain. If you do it again, it, it, the entire um, <laughs> this is a, this is going to be a convoluted history. But yeah, when when the Game Show Network acquired Pressure Luck, and apparently the story was it was so popular, like hey, let's do this. And they also wanted to promote their new version, so they did this. They actually, I guess, just full ahead, they built this little like wraparound infotainment, like um, reality TV, uh, you know, unsolved mysteries, rescue 911 reenactment segments around just the original the original episodes of the show to kind of show like what was what was going on in his mind what did he do afterwards michael um, larson really was obsessed with this game show he memorized the pattern and then he had a fun story about it. he was an ice cream truck driver and then it cuts to like bob Bowden, who's like the president of game show network at the time i was working there and uh he was really smart uh yeah and it's just a fascinating uh, documentary. I think that, if anything, that's kind of what people know about Press Your Luck, uh, mm-hmm. just because it's the memorized the pattern. So then after that incident, uh, they actually was able to get better tech that there were multiple different patterns. I think there were six, because <laughs> this was still yeah. the 80s, and tech was not there. Yeah, I think they mentioned that they went for, they, 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 for a while, it was just like five patterns of 16 cards or 16 Yeah, so imagine uh, go like cubes. one, three, five, nine, twelve... 15 yeah. <laughs> he picked up like i said one, similarly to the those mit kids back in the, I think in the early 60s who went to um went to either vegas or atlantic or atlantic city but one of, they went to a casino and um sat and watched the roulette tables and just recorded every single spin uh you know for like a couple days and then went back to their hotel room sat there for a bit tabulated 
what was what, and then you know they and they realized because um, they they realized which numbers were getting favored. Uh, you know, they had somehow pulled some money, went back down, and then started uh, started betting and started winning more than they lost because they you know it's kind of a thing where they uh, they um, they knew the particularities of the material circumstances of a particular uh, roulette table. And where a number was when the time of the ball with the force of the ball rotating a couple of times. Yep, it, it was. It's fascinating stuff. So, uh, at the, basically, because this is the thing that only people know about press your luck, that's that's kind of what... In, otherwise, it's the big catchphrase of, big bucks, no whammies. You hear that even on places where there are no whammies. Yes, that's that was... The, that was uh, I'm old enough that I, that I watched the show um, the first time, and it was, I think, what was it? Like, it was a C, like CBS Daytime. And then eventually the USA Network would pick it up and syndicate it. So it was this great thing that you could watch in the middle of the day. Um, and eight, nine, ten-year-old kid. You know, so I was like, well, I wasn't exactly the the, the the target demographic, but it was definitely a prime audience for it. Because in the 80s, game shows ruled the world. And Press Your Luck was one of the CBS top shows. So if you've never seen Press Your Luck before, uh, here's how the game works. There are three contestants, and it's played in two rounds. And it's also played in two halves of those two rounds, much like Pyramid, I would say. Because Pyramid is mini Pyramid, then the Winner's Circle, then flip the seats, do another mini board, and then the Winner's Circle. It's similar to that in that the first round has a quiz round. You get four questions. Uh, you buzz in with a correct answer. You get three spins. They don't call them points. They don't call them presses. They're called spins. That's because they have to spin the, the shuffle order behind the big board. That's why they're ever called spins. Uh, so if you get, you buzz in, you get three, if, but then it goes to multiple choice for the other two to play for one. So for instance, uh, you might not know this, uh, but, but what is, uh, Fred and Wilma's last name is Flintstone, but what is his best friend Barney's last name? Boop, boop, rubble. Is it rubble, gravel? Or slate, right? And the um, the questions were all. And I noticed, you know, rewatching uh, rewatching some episodes. In even this is true, even in the modern recreations, recreations we start reboot the reboot, the modern yeah, the reboot. Re- yeah, yeah, the uh, the uh, the the post J.J. Abrams universe reboot. Um, that the questions are deli- the the questions are deliberately constructed so as to screw with anybody who's trying to buzz in quick. There is, especially uh, now in the in the Banks era, because in the Banks era, one question is is the clear mess up. Because, uh, for instance, uh, she one, this is a question that was in the most recent like most recent episode. Even though this is going to be a few weeks later, um, the ep- the question was: a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Was said by and then yeah. you and then someone buzzes in Mary Poppins, a famous. May, but how many teaspoons are in a tablespoon? Oh my Is God. it Mary Poppins two or three? Yeah, they yeah they really are constructed like that. And if in the, and with all the in with any with any game show, it's like um, I don't want to see I don't want to see binging them because binging game shows ain't, ain't the, the healthiest of things. But uh, 
<laughs> for word, um, yeah, you know, it's true. Yeah, almost, it, it's almost as unhealthy as like binge. Um, actually, I think I would actually no take that back. Binging game shows is probably even more unhealthy than binging like old Jersey Shore seasons. But um, <laughs> hey, now that's an insult. Now. <laughs> but um, uh, but but it's definitely a thing where you, you like I said, you watch enough of them back to back, and yeah, the the patterns emerge quickly. Much like uh, Michael Larson, what you know, binging on these things to noticing the patterns in the board spins. Like yeah, the the que- the, the structure of the questions reveals it. I'm pretty sure if I was like a kid in the A's like a VCR and I recorded a few episodes I'm sure I would notice the pattern immediately too but I'd still probably not be a contestant yeah uh, so so after they get the first question board and they got the spins we are in round one board in the round one board I call it classic game show prizes because back in the 80s most of the time it was like a thousand bucks or, or 1500 bucks and that was it like that was your 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 basic congratulations moderate prize um so, so they would take the spins to the big board, uh, and, and basically whoever had the least amount of spins goes first. If there was a tie, it would go furthest to the left and then progress, with the most spins going last in round one. They would have to make a decision. Do you want to press their luck and go to the big board and stop on one of the p- board prizes? If it's money, it adds to their bank. If it's prize, the value of the prize adds to their bank, and they can keep building their bank. But if at any point they hit a yellow red devil... Uh, named the Whammy, they lose everything and start back at zero. To make matters worse, the Whammy is not just a, a, a bankrupt and then we all go, aww, and <laughs> no, no, no. It's a happy cartoon of a red evil bandit guy. Yeah, the, the Whammies are, what is the central ideology of the Whammy? You you play, you oh, press your luck and do your, play your spins <laughs> and you are, you are beset upon by this impish... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a creature. Um, yeah, the the, 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 the whammy, again, like I said, big, one of the, I think, God, the big reason why, um, well, time and place is like, you know, if you're, you're a young kid growing up in the 80s and you're a massive fan of animation, hey, this cool, high energy, brightly, you know, brightly colorful um, game show game show would come on and when they when the contestants inevitably fucked up you got this cool little you know this fun little anim- animation stream. at the time chroma yeah. was very hard to come by this was a new detail and mm-hmm. it was made on a video computer by one savage steve holland the great savage steve holland um who those some of you might remember from both eek the cat but also um the uh the 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 the, the, the huge Franchise establishing John Cusack, Bobcat Goldthwait epic featuring Demi Moore in cornrows called One Crazy Summer. Oh, mm-hmm. I remember from Better Off Dead, but yeah. like Yeah, I think, well, they worked together in Better Off Dead too, but it's also, like, his, there's an entire like animated sequence in the middle of uh, One Crazy Summer because I think John Cusack plays like an animator, in, either an animator wanting to be, their, their animation has worked in there somehow. Also, the film co-stars Mark, Mark Metcalf a few years after Animal House. It's a... It is an odd document of the 80s. It, this anyway, is Savage the, Steve. But Pressure Look really is the 80s, though. That's true. So this like is you, like, uh, if it was Savage Steve Holland lent his role into doing the animations and lent the voice of the whammy. Uh, and some <laughs> of the times it was, you know, just like a slapstick epic fail kind of fail video. Like, here's a whammy on a roller skates, and then he lands on his back and goes, Look out! Look out! Ah! And uh, sometimes it is a it is the an extremely topical pop culture reference, like Boy George. Yeah, or I think in in the nineties. No, I think see in the uh, in the in the in the W era version. I think at one point there's one one of the whammies is like effectively a RuPaul character. 
Yes. Uh, there was a boy George. Uh, another famous one is George Washington on a $1 bill going, I cannot tell a lie. You lose with all the money, <laughs> which is a that's, yeah, a very construct. That's a yeah between the the voice and the and the line, it's almost like a very like bordering on itchy and scratchy delivery. The only two things we can go before we continue talking about the game show: uh, the slides. Uh, a friend of mine who found it at CBS Electronics took some of those slides, just handed it around. Like those are iconic '80s slides, like the prizes and like fourteen hundred dollars. And another like- is that now unearthed is. The originals of the of the whammy animations. Wow, when and those are now up on the buzzer website, so you can go check it out right now and see the buzzers. So round one is basically like a mini version of press your luck. It's here's how the game works: press your luck, get the most money, but you're not necessarily winning the show because whoever has the most money at the end of round one gets the advantage of going last in round two. This is the most important part because they get to know your place when making your decision of whether or not to press or pass. In round two, we repeat the same process. Four more questions, and then we rotate the entire podium, which I think is the best effect of Press Your Luck, is when they have this huge monstrosity of, like, a game show set. Like, yeah. three podiums and lights and the scoreboards. Like, yeah, the, the, the hosts, it's, it's, of, it's it is of this huge turntable, this entire, like, um, you have the guests, you know, uh, the the guests, the, the contestants seating, like the little desks they sit behind, all the lights, um, huge light boards, and the, the podium you know, really does spin between facing the audience versus facing board, as uh, George C. Scott. Fam- one of the best effects in game shows, and it's one of those that I really love. And I do a bit love more in the repo, but we'll get to that in just a bit. We go to round two, and the money is now very big. It's 3000 in a spin, 4000 in a spin, 5000 in a spin. There's big bucks. You land on big bucks, you go to the big buck square, which is the 345. There's go back two spaces in one of the corners, which sends you to 3000 4000 5000 And when you get these in a spins, you get to keep spinning. And in this most important round where there's money and trips and cars and more whammies, uh, every spin matters. And now you get to see what essentially was the 80s version of of any of these luck-based game shows, like like a deal or no deal or let's make a deal, where someone is st- standing on like $14,000 in cash, solid cash, and 80s, they're yeah, told 80s, you have two spins money. left. Mm-hmm. The person behind you has $7,850. Do you want to press your luck and get more money, or do you want to pass those spins to your opponent? And you're, and because it's a live game show, you are entreated by this, you know, the uh, the the hordes the hordes of well wishers in the audience. Uh, at some go point, go on, go on, yeah, go on, one screen, more, yeah, just or, screen, this, this cacophony of just blur of suggestions, all like you know, more so than even like the uh, the audience yelling uh, on uh, on prices white. Price is right. Yeah, the press is right. Everyone thinks they know the right answers. They're just shouting like sevens and sixes. And with, with press your luck, no, it really is like the deal or no deal. Take the money, go, stop. And, and that's the one. What leads point. to is something that's infamous in the show called spin battles. So what happens, which is what people really want to see on the press your luck, is someone gets like three spins and they're like, okay, I have a fourteen grain, I'm good, I'm going to pass. It goes to player two. And then player through is forced to press their luck three times on the board and hit the button three times. But maybe, just maybe, he lands on like 4,000 in a spin or 1,000 in a spin and now has banked two more spins and is now on equal footing with the, the contestant that passed the spins to him. He can press his luck, but then he's going to get his revenge and pass it back to that guy. 
So what you see is now they're forced to take two spins and then maybe they get one more and then they have to pass it back. It's a one pass back and forth. Spin battles are a very uh, crucial part and I think is one of the things that a lot of people who watch the show really want to see because it yeah. gives some level of competition besides I knew the most so I got the most spins, which sometimes as a strategy you maybe don't want to have unless you just want to have like a buffer to pass. Yeah, it's it's an interesting um, contrast to something like Jeopardy. Now, much or, like Jeopardy, whoever has the most money uh, keeps all their cash and prizes, and here's the dulcet tones of Rod Roddy. The rest get like a Dirt Devil and a Kentucky Fried Chicken gift card. Um, game shows. Uh, oh, and don't forget the uh, the wondrous hair products brought to you by your friends at Conair. Oh, <laughs> yes, the Conair hair products. Conair Con Con hair products are so ubiquitous. In well, you no, know, not just like '80s advertising, but uh, '80s. I mean, the shit was on like the 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 '80s game show Nickelodeon would do that on television. Double Dare uh, <laughs> and Super Sloppy Family Double Dare. That was my generation. The super Sloppy <laughs> when when they, when they actually really put the big mashed potatoes on there. Yeah, when you guys uh, you guys you guys have not done Double Dare yet, right? We have not done Double Dare yet. That is one of those much like Press Your Luck. It's like I've got to get to it eventually because it's such a big phenomenal game show. Uh, I uh, yeah, but it's so, one of the things that I recommend. Uh, I suggest. I just there's. I mean, you don't you don't want to get too ableist about it, but there's 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 something in there about um, the 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 particular. Um, uh, I don't. I don't really want to say mental health issues, but the the, the just the the issues that Mark Summer, the first host, had with OCD. Uh, yes, OCD, yes. On a show where the entire point was, uh, you know, this is on the, on, on a kids show, ne- on, on you know, on a kids network that um, took all of the took all of the imagery and the and the messiness from a you know an American kids show network took everything from a small little. Uh, Canadian local TV production and put green slime and water everywhere. So now they made a game show out of like as, as much of a mess as possible. And so who do we get to host it? Mark Summer. <laughs> anyway, so but it's a slight digression, but yeah, Conair product and Conair products were, of course, uh, they would win them on uh, uh, on uh, on uh, the, you know everything from Double Dare to Pressure Luck. Because this was the eighties, uh, they had limits. They had prize limits back in the day. You cannot win more than a certain amount of money. I believe at this time it was $25,000. So at any point after, because if you wouldn't press your luck, you return next time to play against two more players. If you, at any time you break that 25000 barrier, you are off the show. I believe they later bumped it to 50000 That part I did not know. Just a mark, you know, just a regular mark in this thing. Just came on the show. Like, yeah, who knows what, you know, whatever machinations are behind it. Uh, didn't the, the, so the, you know, the guest limits I did not know. And then later on, uh, I mean, there's lots of bonus squares. Like, besides cash, like 1000 bucks or 500 bucks or the infamous 420. I'm sorry, uh, five, uh, not 420. That'd be fun if it was. Uh, it, it was like a, a, little a, bit too early, a little bit too early in, in 480-520. Yeah, in the cultural zeitgeist for yeah. uh, for that. You know, yeah, to have five, five, huge, five. Um, yeah, to have a huge square that just said 42069, uh, smoke weed every day square on that. that everyone maybe, would maybe, just be like, this is the best show. Yeah, maybe you know, maybe that'll show up. Maybe that'll be a, like a spe- they'll have a special episode of in the banks era. In the banks era of like because they do the custom prizes, but we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay. Uh, so they had some bonus squares. They had things like double your dollars in a spin, which doubled your entire score and gave you an extra spin just to screw you over a bit. And then there's add a one. It was like you had a hundred bucks. You now have eleven hundred bucks. If you have twelve thousand dollars, you have a hundred twelve thousand. Of course, that never really 
worked uh, as a square, but it becomes one of those iconic ones of Press Your Luck. It only lasted uh, until 1986, um, in which case then it, it kind of fell down the wayside uh, until it was brought back on the Game Show Network as Whammy, the all-new Press Your Luck. Yeah, it had it. The first year, it really did have that subtitle. And, and then on season two, they just said, "It's time to press your luck and play Whammy." That was my yeah. Gary Owens, <laughs> um, even though it was Gary Kroger. The, Todd oh, that was, Gary. was the host. That really was that, yeah, that was the all new press your luck. Originally in the pilots, it was Peter Tamarkin. Yeah, and we I think we should we need to take a moment to talk about Peter Tamarkin. Um, yeah, because I think much like the Whammy, I think he, without him. Um, and we'll see what, if, what Elizabeth Banks can bring to it uh, over time. But I think with, with you know they needed like, he was in the right place you know the right guy in the right place at the right time because especially watching the other the other couple of hosts either the '70s version or the the Whammy era it does it doesn't it, it's not there it's not um, there uh, with because uh, Bill Carruthers created the show uh, first of all okay, shout out to him just because I have to Peter uh, Markin. Uh, when he did this, was still like a, a guy who was just not in the game show world. Like he keeps doing pilots and barely get. He tried Rodeo yeah, Drive, character actor, yeah, do uh, commercials, and then he had like hit me. He co-hosted a new show on Playboy Television. I am not kidding. Uh, that that's that that I did not know, but I am not surprised for a second. Uh, after but... and Press Your Look was basically one of the rare game shows that actually kind of lasted a long time from 83 and then ended in 1986. Right. Markin had this very dry wit with him, like a lot of game show hosts at the time, but unlike others, he would be celebrating with the contestant at any point. <laughs> yeah. That was the thing. Uh, one thing uh, that I get from, and uh, now we showed you some of these too, but what watching these 80 episodes, you get a sense of the timing and the energy level but also the fact that uh, that Peter, the host, was able to uh, ref- in the, something that he did that the other two, you know, of the other two earlier eras did not do was he was able to um, Jordan, as you said, he he was able to main you know maintain, reflect, and enhance that energy level where he was. Uh, it's you know you watch those you watch the Michael Larson episode and he's like you you pretty much you know it's like go for it you know like you're you're gonna put you know you're gonna be you're gonna be owning like half a CBS by the time this is done and it's. <laughs> Um, and like I said, there's something about just his delivery, his voice, his energy level. Um, he has like an auctioneer vibe with him too. Right. Cause the way, cause the money always goes up and never goes down unless it hits a whammy. And when he does, it's always like a small joke at the expense of the whammy or based on what the whammy video was. Uh, and it was kind of like, you have $15,550. Uh, uh, Jeremy has 12,900. You need about $3,000 to get ahead. You have two spins left. What's your pleasure? Yeah, and like I said, just this uh, this excellent delivery, this excellent timing, um, just this great energy level. Um, I think one thing that I did notice watching the other ones is that, and they, uh, they uh, we, we were, and at some point, yeah, half the sh- we were, were going to need to spend a little bit more, like plenty of time on the reboot, post the uh, the post. Uh, I the, keep calling well, the, the banks, post JJ era. Yeah, the Banks era, Banksy era, but there's um, he also unlike the other two ver- times they tried this before uh, the modern version. Um, Peter Tremarkin had a card, and I think and I think uh, Jordan, you might have talked about this in your other episodes, but it's like it always for something like having a like having a host with a prop, either a card that they actually are reading off of, or that's the Gene Rayburn t- 
telescoping, uh, you know, Gene Raber and Bob Barker telescoping mi- microphone is just, uh, I think it just adds something to the, um, to the host performance. So before Mark and he has the infamous red card question. He has four mm-hmm. special questions. Uh, and sometimes, uh, during the trivia round, if this, and this is a thing that a lot of people may not know, if the scores were very shit, like the contestants, even though these were very easy-ish questions, if they just blew it, and it was like, Roger got none, Jeremy got four, and Lisa got zero. Okay, so we'll just give you 400 bucks and redo the round. Yeah, this, like I said, it's the, the, the um, for as corporate, you know, as corporate 80s, uh, corporate media, as even like the 80s were, there's, there's something that I like about that as a very kind of like, you know, fuck it, we're having fun here. If, uh, if, if of, there was zero four zero, they would just redo the entire trivia round, get four more questions, because they want to make sure everyone has a spin, or at least someone has some say that's not just one person. Mm-hmm. And for Tamarkin, he had this level of like excitement, and then when there was a whammy, he felt it, and eventually, as he kept hosting the show, there was little in-jokes that he would say, like, one more time, one more time, Peter. And he goes, I've heard that before. <laughs> and it's because always, whenever someone says that, the whammy hits them and they lose everything. Yeah. And it's, um, so yeah, it's, um, so yeah, so you can kind of, uh, like folks, you can kind of, like, you, hopefully between us talking about it and even like, you know, some, if you get a chance to ever, or for those of you who haven't watched it before, you get an idea from the clips of, like, you get an idea of why it's a hit show that like, pers- you know, like I said, the endless, endless, endless amounts of 80s game show that this actually, this this was a um, a relative. Um, this was a behemoth in the yeah. world of Prices Right. There was classic concentration. There was Double Dare. Even though that was a Nickelodeon show, so they never really counted. That was in that in that one. Also, was a little bit later too. But yes. Then you had Scrabble. They had Scrabble. They had Joker's Wild. Joker's Wild. Uh, yeah, it's, so, it, so it's like a lot of these similar things. But Press Your Luck had the iconic thing of. Face in the monitor, the whammy, and it was just tech. It was just modern tech for the 80s. In the 90s, well, the 2001 whammy, the all-new Presser Luck, they updated the tech as well. Instead of slides, it's television monitors. Because, hey, we have television monitors now. Instead yeah. of uh, having it be displayed on, like, an egg crate, it's now displayed on, like, a monitor, like you would see on a computer. In impact yeah. font. Impact! Yeah, watching, like I said, you get an idea of just full on like PlayStation. It was like the, the, the gra- watching the whammy. Yeah, it came out in like oh two oh three, but you can you get a it, it because uh, Jordan, as you hit upon many times, because game shows are so um, purely reflective of the particular moment um, in terms of like does well except for the reboot, and we'll get to that. But they, uh, they, they update, much like, the, you know, the 70s version was the 70s, 80s version was sure as hell was the 80s, but the, the, in the early 2000s version, like, the, desi- um, the sound effects, the re- the, you know, they, didn't, they stopped using um, Steve Holland's animations, and they used some, like, real, like, again, PlayStation 1-ass-looking, like... CGI uh, whammy. CGI whammies. And it's it and it feels wrong. It's it, with the '80s version at least. There there is it was a very like kooky. Um, there's a kind of a rough kooky, um, uh, scrappy. I'm talking about a, a fucking uh, game yeah. show mascot, but whatever. But He's a game show mascot. He is. But think yeah. about how many game shows have mascots too. Like actually, like here is the mascot. It's the like the cliffhangers, it, cliff cliffhanger guy, like Hans yeah. or um, uh, 
uh, or well, I guess Rod Roddy was was kind of one, uh, or like Barker's Beauties. Uh, but um, I'm trying to think of. I can't really think. Um, maybe Joker's Wild with like the card faces, but I can't yeah, really the think devil, of the devil in Joker's Wild and the dragon in Tic Tac Doe. Like there, not a lot. Yeah. Yeah, tic tac doe. That was another one of these. Um, just so when it comes to whammy, they 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 tried to make it a little faster. In the pilot, everyone got three spins. Just go to the board, whatever. In the rebooted, like the one that was played on air, uh, it was basically a game of chicken. Everyone goes down the line, and you can freeze or you can press your luck. There's no passing. Once everyone presses their luck, they add more whammies to the board. Yeah, it's a very. It's, you, you see the evolution of the. Um, you see the evolution of the game's rules, and like they added, there's almost like a, like, like a, there's like now they a lot of, com- of computations of the board yeah. pattern now. Yeah, it's like they uh, and it's it's funny in the documentary they made about to promote the 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 the, the whammy series. They ta- they brag about and now you know the board is controlled by a, t- a computer running at two hundred megahertz. You know to control um, two hundred megahertz, which by the way right now is about maybe like. A, a laptop computer that you might have used in high school. Yeah, it's um, it you know it's like this new thing called a Pentium. Um, it's but a Pentium it, too. Yeah, <laughs> like, but the but the but I think part of it is uh, at one point I I want to I do want to uh, take some time to just talk about the aesthetics because I think I mean it, it's a game show. It lives in, it you know aesthetics are how it's like the the mechanics are good but the aesthetics are kill are crucial especially a show that is that has this many like aesthetics and aesthetic choices you know fire hosing at you all at once and um yeah this like, is a over like over sensory this is sensory overload there's music there's lights there's sound effects animation um audience you know both screaming you know, both, at you you have 9000 yeah. one more yeah like it's the you know just emotions and everything at once but um the changes in, in watching the different eras, it's it just fa- it's fascinating to me. You know, like I said, I, I grew up enjoying just loving the show so much, but seeing the, uh, the they, they figured they had to update it somehow, but the way they updated it um, was very indicative of the time, but also kind of like kind of like hilariously bad. Like they put like a they put a um, oh they, they repurposed some of the, the gold trim on the set was from the Card Sharks uh, reboot that they had oh, oh, like a few years ago. Before yeah, and in like two thousand, so yeah, and, and in like the in the in the spinning the board music, the sound effects, they add a dance beat. Yeah, and it's not just kind of like the bleep bloop 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 bloop. The little, like I said, charming charming kookiness of the eighties version. And of instead the 70s, of like a white have... light bulbs, like because this is classic game show. You look at press like like little white light bulbs that you would probably see at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in whammy, it's just a blue tinted back. And then if you hit whammy, it's a red tinted back. So let you know you did a bad. Right, and they um, but it's kind of like they they add like they add like a there's like a there's like a uh, there's an early early aughts like drum beat to that music. Like and it's that, some I, awning. Like, there's some awnings there. There's yeah. some there's some beams. And it's um, it's they change they completely change the design of the board from a square board with ringed by these these other squares to this like circle with like a weird like oval field. And um, but I think that yeah they just want that you know it's more of like things ringing around the circle but the circle screen because of the um, because the chroma keyed uh, you know because like the, an effect is like you would always you'd look at the board but they would insert the video of also the camera that's pointed at the contestant is inserted is uh, keyed into this board when they switched to the circle 
um, um, whenever they whenever they would go to like they'd always have to do a split screen because you'd have like two contestants playing off each other for the spin battles and whatnot. It doesn't you know it looks horrible on a circular screen. It just kind of it's just this really weird choice. I don't think they actually that they really thought through. Uh, they did, and but hey, you get a CGI Emerald Lagasse looking whammy going. Let's kick it up a notch. Bam, yeah. bam. And it's um again, and it's kind of it's um the. Uh, I don't know. Can you fault the game show for being tryhard? But some I, of the because I, um, I think it came from love. The people who made the show definitely wanted to make press your luck. I don't think they had the budget to give out money though. That's right. why every value stayed the same, and that's why I believe why there was a lot of prizes on the board. <laughs> like if you see the press your luck board versus the whammy board, whammy had like at least three times as many prizes. I have to guess because yeah. it's like here's M and M's for a year. Here's camping equipment. Here's a flashlight. Here's a laptop. Here's yeah stuff that they were able that the 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 the, the PAs were able to score through Craigslist or something. Runners up get a Croton watch worth eighty nine dollars. Um, yep. How long? Well, how long did did Whammy last? Only two seasons. So uh, I didn't get through the game. So after the chicken round one, they do a classic press your luck. Here's four questions on like these little beams, and then. Uh, they play classic press your luck. You know, press your luck or pass, press your luck or pass. Um, with the most money, keeping everything, and that's it. There's no returning champs. But there was one big twist that we, we should probably bring up. The double whammy. Oh, yes. Um, again, you know, they were trying to innovate, and they made some odd decisions. So if you love Double Dare, and you love other game shows that involve ooey-gooey messes, and uh, uh, if you and if you were old enough to remember Remote Control on MTV, which uh, predated a lot of the other ones, but yeah, yeah, this is basically this comes from like Remote Control in Jep. They had a children's Jeopardy called Jep with Bob Bergen. So in uh, Double Jep, if you tra- if you were told what's a double whammy, I would assume you mean you get two whammies instead of one <laughs> to increase the danger. But no, oh, wait, no, real quick, hang on, hang on, Nat. When you hear the phrase double whammy as like a as a potential. Um, consequence of your actions on this on this particular show what do you think that that would entail i mean you can't lose all of your money again <laughs> so well but but yes but now it's a double whammy so what would you do what do you think that they would that they came up with to heighten the tensions i guess i don't know add like even extra humiliation or something to or you know make it make it an even worse outcome um what you know just like i said what what do you what do you what do you envision just the phrase double whammy I have no idea. <laughs> uh, Jordan, if you would uh, right. provide... So Double Whammy essentially is the Universal Studios 4D version of a whammy. Oh, uh, okay. The so a, now instead of the whammy doing a fail, now there's some sort of interaction that ends up on you. So for instance, uh, if the whammy has a pillow, he starts beating up the pillow, he's busting the feather of the pillow, suddenly all the feathers start flying, and now you're covered in feathers. Yeah, they would drop further, much like on remote control, where you could you get things dumped on you. They would now oh, dump insult to injury. I get it. Yeah, or like for some reason the uh, the whammy is like eating popcorn and the popcorn explodes. And guess what's what? Well, guess what? It's a lot of things getting dumped on you. The uh, yeah, that you is get your popcorn. You get dumped with feathers. Uh, there's one with a whammy with a fire hose and you get sprayed with water. Then there is a pizza, a pizza dough. Oh no. Like it just a, and a little flour on it too, just for good measure. Uh, then there is like a bag of groceries with fake fruit in it, uh, ping pong balls, uh, fake bricks like foam rubber bricks with a whamzilla. That's actually that would be. I'm surprised those things that weren't kind of taken and immediately like eBayed, you know, or uh, 
actually someone's probably sitting on it for another 20 years to release it for the collector value. Uh, But I'm I'm just just imagining just like the poor PA or like intern kid who has to uh, you know either you know has has to load. Yeah, has to you know the prop dude. Yeah, has to load the dough dropper for that for that day's tapings. There is uh, exactly, I believe, three overheads of stuff, and then there is the water cannons on all three, uh, and then it's like all four. So it's like, and they have like a symbol of stuff. At one point, there was a big sponsorship with M and M's because why not? And at one point, a whammy was diving into a big bowl of M&M's, and that was it. And I'm led <laughs> to assume the original intention was a double whammy, and they were going to dump M&M's on these people. And then they're like, actually, that would hurt. Yeah. And also, that go, would yeah. not be good for the sponsor, because, hey, buy M&M's. Don't eat it. Just pour it on somebody. It's almost resembling the um, – uh, there's, there, there's another podcast in, uh, in YouTube crew called The Oral Knots, A-U-R-A-L-N-A-U-T-S. They um, – not only did are, did they do a lot of great stuff for like um, you know a redubbing of all the Star Wars films, but they did their own pitch for that they called a rejected Skittles advert, which um, in you know which they kind of deliberately uh, filmed this thing with Skitt- with falling Skittles that would have been banned from any TV network. Yeah. Slight digression. It is uh, worth checking out. Yeah, check out the Oral Knots. They also have a good. Uh, and then when it comes to the end of Whammy, Todd Newton, by the way, is the host of this. People love that Todd Newton. He is basically the most game show host ass game show host in modern era. He's but yet but emphasis on the modern era. He's he is very he's he's very much a post nineties game show host. He's famous for things like Hollywood Showdown and Family Game Night. He now owns a tattoo parlor, by the way, in Arizona. Sure, why not? Because he's because ta- he actually covered in tattoos. By the way. Like full sleeves, like like yeah, full like on like full sleeves. Like if you like, if he took off his his jacket, you would see sleeves of tattoos. Wow, and this remember was like if, even back then. So it's like yeah, this, yeah. Let's see. I don't think I can't remember when full sleeves became a thing. But I mean, tattoos came back in from you know most normal folks back in the Lollapalooza era. But not, not. I don't, I don't think sleeves were a thing in for until I can't remember when they really kind of like predominated. But not, not back then. Yeah, that's hardcore. You talking about the early aughts because that was like new metal, you know. I guess that's true. That, that was <laughs> everybody started having a, tattoos. But he's like a real nice dude, and like he looks like a total badass. It's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Just, yeah. Just a guy. But yeah, a game show host, but with that much ink. It's like at the end because this is supposed to be a very cheaper version. Hate to say cheap in a dismissive way, but kind of was. Under, under uh, it's like you won four thousand three hundred fifty dollars. Here's Gary Kroger. They won a boat, uh, an inflatable raft. They also won a, a catered dinner. Put that together with a thousand bucks. So yeah, at least it, it, you know, it was it was a nice. You got a night. You got a nice plane trip to Southern California, presumably Burbank. Oh no, or, these are all people from the LA area. They didn't even fly. Oh wow, God. Okay. Uh, the actually, even that was even back in the Carruthers '80s era. The only time people flew out was, I believe, modern, like banks. Yeah. Huh. Uh, so That's so for day. for and I I just want to get this. Uh, just so people know, I know the game. Uh, so everyone gets a thousand bucks at the start of the show. Usually that goes away. So you see, I know about the whammy thing. Uh, second of all, in season two, they added a new feature called the big bank. In the big bank, it was basically like a jackpot. It starts at three thousand dollars, and for every whammy that you get, it goes to this big bank jackpot, and it grows. So it's like twenty thousand, thirty thousand. With the idea being, once you hit the big bank square, uh, you have a chance to quote unquote whammy the whammy. By answering one trivia question, and it's a very tough trivia question. 
uh, and then you can take everything back. Mm -hmm. It added some new format to the game because if you're very, very behind, you can press your luck with one spin, you can win the game by basically hitting Big Bank and winning it. (laughs) At least that was the intention. It only lasted two seasons on Game Show Network. And then uh, the the last time it ever made air was the uh, Game Show Marathon with Ricky Lake. They did a Game Show Marathon with Tim Meadows. Uh, What year was was this? Oh, 2008, I believe. 2008 was Game Show. Oh, okay. Uh, It was basically like this special where it was just one game of of Press Your Luck, and it was like supposed to be a... The the celebrities are playing these game shows to advance in the marathon because at the end, the winner uh, gets to play... Uh, gets $100,000 for their charity. And you win all the money. Uh, <laughs> at least that's okay. what it was supposed to be. All um, $4,000. Yeah, so they had Tim Meadows. Uh, it was Tim Meadows, Leslie Nielsen, and Catherine sure. and Jimmy. That's a hell of a... That's some good panel right there. Now imagine that playing Press Your Luck. And it was a pretty hel- healthy uh, game because they doubled the values. So it was like 10000 in a spin, 8000 in a spin, 6000 in a spin in the final round. So it's like, whoa, that's actually can get to some serious showcase level amounts, which I believe was the intention they were going with. They want the prize money to be equal to uh, a winning a showcase on the prices, right? Not bad. Cause if you want to press your luck, what do you see here? You want a car, or a trip, put that together $20,000 in cash. Yeah. And, and, and once again, Rod Roddy pro- provides the kind of tissue. Yeah. That was, True, uh, but... um, and then Todd Newton, by the way, was like the, the, the scout on that one. Uh, so then once again, it just falls in the wayside until this year, 2019, yeah. ABC has this summer funding games. It's this big block of game shows they do, I guess, every summer because it's a nice padding year before they get to their dramas. It started originally with $100,000 Pyramid, and then it grew with Match Game, uh, To Tell the Truth, uh, Celebrity Family Feud. And now this year they did Card Sharks with Joel McHale from The Soup. And the Joel McHale show starring Joel McHale on Netflix. Yeah, uh, and 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 who actually does seem? How is Joel as a game show host? Because is he is it pretty much just the same exact vibe? He or is does still he have... someone who does has better things to do with his time? Oh, good. Which, okay, which, good. Considering it's card sharks is perfect because uh, you need that's, that dry wit in those in those survey questions. Yeah, that is uh, that's 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 a, that's a good yeah. Uh, Joel McHale being Joel McHale on that kind of that's that's some good casting. I you know. The only time uh, he breaks out Joel McHale characters in the bonus round because it's like you have a hundred thousand dollars right now. You're betting it all on the flip of a card. Are you sure? <laughs> like he starts flipping out. Uh, pun flip the card. All right. <clears throat> pun. So now we move on to our modern day version of Press Your Luck. And, and a quick note: I did want to say that I um, talk. You know, when I was messaging you about uh, you know pitching game shows to talk about, I had no idea that this was uh, the uh, the. The show was because the show was imprinted that deeply into my own um, oversaturated, you know, over-mediated, oversaturated consciousness, and you know, just deep memories that it's one of those things you could always talk about because it was just this odd, kooky '80s thing. And this is one, this is like if you're going to talk about this thing, well, hell yeah, it's. I mean, it's talk. You know, have you got have you guys done press your luck? Like no. Oh, and plus, so that, you're a good friend, of course. I would let you talk press your luck. Well, like, hey, good guy, great podcast. In a great game show. I win no matter what with this. There you go. And then I immediately told you, they're doing a reboot. <laughs> yeah, and like you said, well, you saw the thing before, and I'm like, what? And I looked it up on like Wikipedia. It's like, oh, yeah, de- you know, debuted June 12th, 2019. Like, what the, you know, immediately. Wait, Elizabeth Banks is posting this? Yes, Elizabeth Banks. 
That's the thing. We are in a modern era where Elizabeth Banks, star of the Hunger Games, is hosting a game show. And I and originally there was some animosity within the game show world, a game show fandom. I'm not saying they're horribly sexist and evil people, but they kind of think women shouldn't host game shows. Yeah, there that's, well, that's what... the pretty face and nothing else. And that's fucked up. Yeah. Every fandom has. Yeah, the, funny how that. Yeah, exactly. Funny how that works about. Uh, you know, what is it with uh, the particular forms that modern internet fandom takes that, you know, Vanna can only be the one who spins the letters. She can't be the one that hosts the people spinning the board um, it's, it's, or spinning the wheel, rather. It really does frustrate me. And that's why I kind of want this podcast to be more mainstream. Like, we don't really want the game show fandom because they already know most of the stuff. You already know who Michael Larson is. You already know about the Big Bucks board. You know who Tamarkin is. You know about Whammy. Um, but I'm just helping like, Hey folks, this is what this game show is. And I think it's because they come from a bygone era where it was Bob Barker as the host in the Barker's beauties. Mm -hmm. There were no male models, even though there were in the eighties. We have a show called sale of the century. The, um, so yeah, just something about the guy, how, how much of a, uh, how much of a post, Oh no, like, they hate play- Drew. Like they hate Drew so much because first male models and second, they let the models talk. Like well, they even, give them but, character and they go like, hey, good luck. Best of luck to you. Or, hey, I was from that college. Like things they, like that are all these little format points that come from pressure, like the price is right. Uh, and Deal or No Deal, the rebooted Deal or No Deal as well. Oh, God, they, they rebooted Deal or No Deal? They did. Oh, and it's going to be. By the fuck not. Of course they would have. Yeah. Oh, no. But guess what network? VH1. Close. CNBC. The stock market channel. Okay, that one I did. That okay, that I didn't expect. But what a you know, quick point here. But there's something about like Bar, uh, Bob Barker and Barker's Beauties that is uh, that is very how, like how like post Playboy Mansion uh, kind of um, ph- you know like modernist phenomenon is that. So Barker came from that World War II era, Korean War. Go, go in red blooded American. You want yeah. the hot girl in the hot car, steak dinners every night. Yeah. The uh, but uh, and also. Um, one thing I, I I I did you know yeah that is one of those things that just never that never well never occurred to me until just watching watching um, watching like uh, Elizabeth Banks host the show was how many American how many American or even Christ um, with the exception of Weakest Link how many uh, Anglo American game show modern game shows are hosted by women all right going off the top of my head and I know I'm going to draw a blank Liza Koshy hosts Double Dare one. Okay, uh, modern double there, yes. Modern double there. Two, uh, you have Hollywood Game Night with Jane Lynch. Three, Meredith Vieira used to host Who Wants to Be a Millionaire for the longest time, longest reigning millionaire host. Yeah, you're right. She, she, yeah, she did do it for that was that was the that was post post phenomenon, but yes. Four, Brooke Burns did the Chase on Game Show Network. Let's see what will be the what's the fifth one? I'm because I know I'm drawing a blank. Um, and I think I did Jane. Let's see. Oh, Ellen's Game of Games of Ellen. There you go. So like yeah, we have a rich history of and everyone six, forgets seven. Everyone forgets that they're hosts. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's I don't know. Is, you know, is that, is that more the, of I wonder how much of that was that like the, the kind of people that because when they would start casting celebrities as hosts rather than like out of work actors or an actress as hosts. Yeah, it's I kind think of a, that's that's something I always want to figure out. I know it has something to do with like bundling because you know if you get the agent. And you have your person represent you, and you also represent the production company. And you can like say, "Hey, we're rebooting this classic game show, and we're getting this big celebrity the host." Uh, instead of taking ten percent off Elizabeth Banks, for instance, you can now just take one percent of the entire budget, and you'll be okay. 
Hmm. So that's kind of so a lot of people go into EP roles because it's easy money. You just lend your name, and that's it. That's your LeBron Jameses. That's your Justin Timberlakes. Your Tim Burtons. Tim Burtons. Steph Curry with Holy Moly. Hmm. That's a real game show. Uh, it's a oh yeah. Oh, I don't doubt it. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> there you go, folks. The political economy of casting uh, casting a game show in the foul year of our Lord twenty uh, something. Yeah. I, are we saying the economy is struggling and this is how we, it works? Is this a con- consolidation effort? Yes. Um, but hey, it's game shows. They're very cheap, and I'm pretty sure they're trying to acquire as many as they can because eventually there's going to be like a writers uh, strike again. And yep. they want to make sure that they have all these shows in their bundle to basically uh, have insurance. That is what um, that is what brought back another another odd W era uh, pop, pop culture phenomenon. That's what that's how they brought back um, American Gladiators. They do Hulk like, Hogan. <laughs> yeah, Hulk Hogan. Oh, Tatiana Lee. She was a host. <laughs> she was, a host, but also and and um, I first uh, introduced with the Gina Carano was one of the. Uh, uh, was one of the um, yeah one of the one of the gladiators I guess. Was Phoenix or Sky? Crush. Crush. Oh yeah, the heartthrob. Yes. And, but then they had the guy do it, and it was very creepy. Oh yeah. It was like uh, it's Crush. Yeah. Between, hey, holster, and, uh, look, it's Crush. Odd times. Like, yeah. Oh. Feel free. Yeah, when you're editing this, feel free to drop in uh, relevant uh, sound clips too. If I can, I have to find a Crush footage of. Uh, but yeah, so the modern deal or no deal, even though it's on the stock market Wall Street channel, uh, they at least now have mics on all the ladies so they can mm-hmm. talk. So now even they are offering their insights like, I would stop, I would take the money, I don't... And there's a lady banker now. So oh, okay, feminist good. win. It passes the yeah. Beckel test. There's two women on screen and they're not talking about guys. There you go. Uh, what do you know, folks? Uh, corporate feminism has finally made it to CNBC. It did. you love to see it, yeah. Just don't tell Maria Bartramona. <laughs> Or uh, Aaron Burnett. So, so back to Press Your Luck with, with Elizabeth. When I first heard it, I was freaking out. Holy cow, Press Your Luck is coming back. I was like, oh man, that's an exciting show. And then they were, then they made the announcement, there's going to be a bonus round. And I went, what? <laughs> and and everyone was kind of speculating, well, what's the bonus round going to be? What's this going to be like? Sure enough, it became something exciting. Now, in the modern Press Your Luck version, it's played as an hour-long game show. This is an hour-long, not a half-hour yeah, that's the yeah that's the trip. Is like, each video on YouTube is like forty four minutes. And like, wait a minute, then how, with the exceptional prices, right? How many hour long game shows are out there? Okay, now do you really want that answer? <laughs> um, okay, to, uh, correction. How many uh, how many pre nineteen ninety hour long game shows were there that wasn't like that? And the Gong Show doesn't count. Oh, Gong Show is usually half hour. Oh, what do you know? I just did the Gong Show episodes. So. There you go. Okay, uh, it was mostly half hour. Uh, Gong Show the reboot was an hour with Mike Myers. Oh God! Like, he wasn't that. He was in there, and he and he he did that in character, didn't he? He was Tommy Maitland. Now, did you ever watch that? Do you remember, I talked you remember about. Of course, I see. No, 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 no. I'm asking. I asked. I asked Nat here. No, I never watched it. Nat, okay. I think you would like it because it is a train wreck variety show. I love that. If you want to see chaos, and I mean like a true shit show, like you're gonna see like a juggling clown fall on his face, and then in the next moment see like an actual like good singer, and then go to folk music, and then cut to, like, a character actor trying to be funny and then failing. I think I've seen clips of it before, but never watched episodes. It's hosted so. by Austin Powers himself. Yeah, like, and it's not, yeah, it's, it's not Mike Myers. It is Mike Myers. He's deliberately, like, he's not, hi, I'm Mike Myers. He's in, Tony like, Tony Maitland. He plays a British game show host. In, in like, full makeup and prosthesis. In right. fat suit. It's great. <laughs> 
So these hour-long game shows are basically how modern game shows work. Uh, simply put, because it's easier uh, in for production. Because you're not filming two episodes, you're filming one. So it's it's a cheaper budget for the staffing. That makes did sense. I, did I break the did I break the, the 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 game shows can be cheaper if you make it hour long. There you go. That's no. It's it's good. You know, folks come here for it because they want the re- that real that real game show insider shit, and you're delivering the goods. So that's that's great. I'm Thank not you. saying like it's anti-union and all that because a lot of these shows are actually some of them are in like have like the IAAC and yeah, and a lot of the people who work at some of these companies like Fremontal Media are very well paid and very like and they're not really treated horribly at all. Like. It really the is, reason I think, the like PAs is, um, and some below-the-line staffers other than that. Yeah. Uh, um, so, well, well, new Press Your Luck, Elizabeth Banks, plays like the classic Press Your Luck you know and love in the first half. Three contestants, three questions, spin the wheel. Whoever has the most gets the advantage. Then we move on to round two, where the most money wins. Uh, but this time around, it's three, four, five in round one, six, eight, ten thousand in a spin, in round two sometimes there's cars sometimes there's prizes and this time around when there's a prize that's won instead of just pierre tamarkin going that's a that's a trip to hawaii worth three thousand one hundred forty dollars uh or with todd newton who looks at uh, basically a, a computer monitor you've won some m&ms for a year worth two hundred dollars elizabeth banks uh goes that is a trip to taiwan how much is that trip to Taiwan? And then points at the big board, and there becomes a reveal. Interesting, huh? It's um, almost like they've been they've been watching other uh, other modern game shows to uh, to um, modernize. To uh, they repurpose all the whammies from the '80s era, like a lot of the classic whammies, like the rollerblades, or uh, I'm sure the boat whammies back. The because if you whammy out, because if you get four whammies at any point in any of these Press Your Luck games, the original. The, the 90s, or sorry, the whammy, or this version, four whammies, you're out of the game. You're done. You don't do anything else. You're out. Game yeah, over. You're so, you get the, you, you get to see all the pretty card games. <laughs> oh, yeah. And one of the things that, that uh, I keep seeing one of the, that's the thing I noticed that I keep saying one of the things, like repeatedly in a thousand different conversations. Unfortunately, I'm not aware of that. The, again, back to the aesthetics of the show, the, like I said, both the modernization, but also the painstaking, it's kind of like, um, in how in film they have to like, you know, they they have to you know the amount you know they have to you know if they don't want to do practical effects they have to like dump all of the money and time into do into digital effects, yes. uh, which cost which of course takes up a lot more time and money. The 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 painstaking recreation of as much of the '80s set look and feel as they possibly can. But if you notice on like you know like the same exact set and podium and whatnot. But instead of like light bulbs, you have just flat screens, and it's just a huge, like the huge like LED screens are part of the set that are just showing the image of the original light, you know, kind of orange, yellow, incandescent. Oh yeah, that's yes. intentional. Oh yeah, there's and, that. And even then, like if you have big bucks, notice like there's many firework effects, like it almost looks like bulbs are breaking. There's a lot of, yeah. of little like niches in there that I love about this new Presser Luck. And well, and if you and if you can, when you're editing this, if you can cut in some of this, both they go back to the original sound effects. But if you can cut in some of the um, some of the sound effects, because they are extremely distinctive, they are. Um, it's more bassy. Yeah, there's, there's it, yeah, they take it's like bleep and bloop, like a lot of like '80s bleep and bloop and like buzzy, almost like uh, 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 like almost like analog synth sounds from the '80s. They yes. bring all of those back, but they, I mean, they re-EQ them because there's a lot more bass. 
um, but they but they bring but it's still the they didn't add they don't add the uh, they didn't add the drum beat. There's no party music. Yeah, uh, but it's and they fixed because the computers these days now you can have like basically what it amounts to like the whammy board where it can be anything. It could go to square one to square two to back to square one to square four. And yeah, but it's, it's this interesting thing of like um, almost slavish or either that or they figured okay this is you know they've tried this before and it, and it hasn't worked maybe if we. Uh, you know, maybe they're like, well, maybe if we just you know, we we really lean into the nostalgia. I, uh, they did. They le- leaned in heavily. They kept the old logo. They didn't do a whammy logo. They got rid yeah. of the double whammy. They basically made sure you didn't remember about whammy. <laughs> yeah, she's she's back to she's hold she holds cards again. She holds cards uh, the, that say "Press Your Luck" on them, wearing a glittery, sparkling outfit that makes it feel like you are now watching the Academy Awards. Like this is a big night. Uh, yeah, big bucks are on the line, and and she even has a, her own slate of catchphrases, much like Pierre Tamarkin. Yeah, you got to um, take big risk to win big bucks in TV's most competitive game. Excellent. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see. It's kind of like of all these, you know, and um, she had and her. Big question when it's instead of press your luck or pass, because you hear that 14 times, you're just going to go, oh. She says different lines. Like, my favorite is, are you too stressed to press? Oh, good God. But if you look at these contestants, this is big money now. So they're at like 40 grand. They're at 50 grand. They have a car. Yeah. There's a, there was, someone won a, almost won a Jaguar. Yeah, you can start, you're, starting, you're starting to get, you know, people winning enough money to start paying off student loans. Like big <laughs> money. Like, this is big bucks, literally big bucks. And yeah, now you're seeing these people actually sweat. It, like, this is now like, okay, this is actually an intense game. And everyone's still, like, comical. They're a little more hyper, but I think that's because of modern casting. But they casted some of the best contestants, I think, this time around, because every one of them you root for in some fashion. Uh, in it, the end of round two, it plays, like, classic pressure, like, whereas the most money wins and goes on to the bonus round. The bonus round is now a one-player version of Press Your Luck. Uh, sorry, sorry, Jeremy, I have to, uh, go through the entire spiel that Elizabeth Banks says. If you must. Congratulations, you have won $29,000. That is yours to keep no matter what happens, but now it's time for our bonus round. You will go through six rounds of big bucks. With each round, you are forced to take certain amount of spins. The more you go through, the higher the big bucks including round six, our big bucks bonanza where you can win $100,000 on a press of the button. But just like press your luck in the front game, if you get four whammies at any time, you're out of the game. Because this is Jeremy's personalized press your luck board, we have prizes tailor-made for you. If at any point you get over half a million dollars, the game ends and we will bump it up to $1 million. In round one, you get $10,000 as uh, the big bucks and six spins. 15000 in round two with 15000 with five, with five spins. 25000 with four. 50000 with three. 75000 with three. And 100000 with three. But what makes the big bucks round so exciting is that now it becomes a deal or no deal game. Right down to we brought your friends and family onto a bench. Yeah, right, right there on the set. They're on the set. There's no longer the big podium rotate. Now it's just one person on stage with one podium with a scoreboard. What I love about the bonus round is that there isn't a bit of decision making, but now these tailor-made prizes are on the board. If the show did not have tailor-made prizes, I think I would just like hate this bonus round. The, and yeah, and the and the hyper it is the not just tailor-made, but the hyper specific that you'll you'll dig the the how hyper specific some of these uh some of these prizes are these are like what is your dream car or what is a special car for in your life and one was 
Uh, we started a family. It was a, it was a nice gay couple, and they just started a family. They just adopted a kid, and the husband uh, sold his car because they had to get a lot of stuff for the kid, and they were trying to make sure they had the right like home, and they had all the stuff that on the big board was the car. Like they gave like a 2019 version of the car he gave up. And then Aww. another one really, really, really was SpaghettiOs for a year. And someone in round one won SpaghettiOs uh, spaghetti for life. Oh, for life. Even better. There you go. For so, life. It's yeah, yeah. At some point, it's the for life part that changes it from uh, from a, a prize to punishment. A punishment. Yeah. Like a, like a, 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 it's the prop of the rapper, too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a death knell. It's a yeah. It's a it could it, you know, it's, this is uh, this is your uh, so you like donuts? Well, here have all the donuts you can want. It's the uh, it's the it is the ironic hell. Uh, yeah, the other the ironic hell punishment. And me, I'm just going hop, hop. Yeah. more, more. Oh, yeah, the uh, uh, there was a little show called The Simpsons. You might not have heard of it, uh, <coughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's it's such a great round because it's like but because as the game progresses in each round, the prizes get more lucrative. So like yeah, the spaghetti was for that was like a round one prize. But then it becomes something like, oh, you've always wanted to go to Japan, or you've always wanted to go to Paris. So here, there's a trip to Paris for ten of your friends. It's almost like one point you could combine this with like a destination wedding or something. At the you know? in, at the the guy who had the spaghettios, he had a Maserati as <laughs> his like round five prize, and you're just kind of thinking like Maserati spaghettios. But but spaghettios for life. There's the. Maserati was Ford. he still in college? No, the like... dude was like a thirty-five-year-old like father. <laughs> He's trying to get back his youth. He's like just a guy who just like had two kids, and it's just like I just want to have fun. I want a game room. I want arcade. There's spaghettios. <laughs> he might be a hot couch guy. We don't know. <laughs> they are everywhere, and you can't always you can't always can't always identify them by sight. But the the the, the fun part was after that episode aired, spaghettios did give him like a two cases of of spaghettios. <laughs> And just uh, like, yeah, Chef thank you for Boyardi. being a big fan of SpaghettiOs, I guess. <laughs> Here you go. Chef Boyardee and Frankel vying so bizarre, for celebrity. But it, in- you create a storyline where you get to know these contestants a bit more, that when you see the prizes won, then it adds this layer of, do you really want to press your luck? Because this is something you really want. Like, you're Jordan. You want to go to Disney World. Here you go. You're going to Disney World. You're going to Disney Sea. You get hamburgers or something, because you're Hamburger Haas. Do you want to risk it for one more spin of the wheel? I go three more times for $50,000 and then you sit there and you're like, well, that's a debate because if you say I'm pressing my luck, you hit the whammy, you lose it all. <laughs> you lose all those dream prizes. Yeah, it's um, they they do. They they yeah, it's just in the modern it's funny, in the modernization of the of the game. They also they um, increase the st- you know, they also moder- well, increase the stakes by an order of magnitude. It's the how, do, the how does the family factor into it in regards to the peer pressure? Oh, because you want to press your luck or pass. If you if you continue playing, here's what you could win. It's a family vacation. And the big bucks are now $50,000. You only have to press your luck three more times. You've already won uh, the outdoor barbecue that you've always wanted. And you've already won a car for your kid. So what do you want to do? Press your luck or pass? Now, the guy uh-huh. is like, I have a car now. Please stop. Please stop. Let's <laughs> see. At one point, it, I'm wondering how much, uh, how long before they, you know, this seems like better, but how long before someone stri- just straight, like all of the, um, all of the, 
addictive app qualities of social media and the Candy Crush. That sounds like they're starting to feed them into the, um, you know, the dang, you know, game shows have always kind of like dangled, you know, the dang, you know, dangled the little, uh, the little, the, the the gem of the prize versus the risk. But that's kind of a thing where it seems like even now they're um, they're doing the uh, like the you know enticement to addiction. I guess there's HQ Candy Crush. And you're, you're trying to get enticed to the addiction. And I think that's kind of the appeal they want. They want you to keep going because you keep winning. Yeah. yeah. The whole point is to keep you, um, to, to monopolize your time and, and keep you on their platform. That is- now, the only issue I have with this is you kind of know that if it's like 11.50, if it's like, if it's like 8.59 and there's like two more rounds, you know they're just going to walk away. So it kind of becomes an anticlimactic ending. But other than that... There are some great endings, and already uh, someone has won more than Michael Larson. Really, someone has won over one hundred fifty thousand dollars in like a, in like in a single in a single t- well a single team yeah in, in one episode because the front game plus the the ma- the bonus round they got like sixty five thousand plus like forty grand in the in the front game makes it like a hundred thousand. Yeah, inflation hits everything. So I think the in- also intention of this new reboot was also to make sure people forget about Michael Larson, the guy who memorized the pattern. Because, yeah, the guy won a hundred grand or whatever, but now we're giving away almost a million bucks. That's a, that, uh, that is an interesting motivation. I would not, I wouldn't doubt for a second that's part of it. Although it's, that's one of the, at some point it becomes stress Andy effect where it's like, uh, it's like, yeah, that, you know, the Wikipedia entry is not, is never not going to have that, that mention of, of that incident. So. That's so, because it, it's one of the big stains of game show. It, it, they treated it like it was a modern quiz show scandal. And the, also, we should point out that they br- went back to 2D. No more PlayStation graphics. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And they had some more modern rebooted whammies. Uh, in, for instance, there was an Oprah whammy. There was a Game of Thrones a Game whammy. Of Thrones, a topical Game of Thrones. You know, a, a, blonde, a blonde whammy on a dragon back torching, a, uh, torching the, the, the city scoreboard. landscape. The scoreboard that was the uh, the city landscape that was the scoreboard of the of the player. So like yeah, they're uh, um, we're they're uh, you know uh, extremely ble- topical. Yeah, bleed and edge here, people. You you get a whammy, you get a whammy, and I get a car, and then the car falls and squishes the Oprah whammy. There's one, the, and, these, and, these, and I'm going to say this right now, even though it's, it's, it's going to come across as a bit. The new whammies are fucked up. They're traumatizing. For example, okay, well there's three. There's three of them. One. The whammy walks towards the screen. The little cape that he wears is stuck on the scoreboard. Perfectly framed, by the way. He pulls on the cape. He pulls on the cape. And then suddenly, he rips his entire skin off, and you see a whammy skeleton. It, that's, that's, that's an interesting decision for, uh, for primetime game show. That prime is time, like summer, some, some moral combat. There is one where he is uh, like one of those uh, Benny Hanna chefs, and he starts chopping up money. And then but, at the end, he splits into like eight pieces and has this uncomfortable noise. And then the one that I think I'm traumatized by, there's bags of money and then he throws it in a wood chipper. <laughs> and then he throws himself in the wood chipper with the bag of money. And okay, you see shreds of red fuzz and eyeballs. And you're just like, what the fuck? That whammy's dead. Whammy's are usually just there to bedevil the player and to rob the money, you, you don't you don't associate like a, an active death drive with your your every uh, your your everyday uh, your everyday workman like whammy. It's supposed to be something like uh, the whammy has like a little red wagon, puts the money on, and leaves. <laughs> like it's supposed to be kind of 
with a really low res ah, ow buzzy uh, buzzy recording played over top yeah or or like he dresses up like a clown uh, and get pie in the face and an oversized pie flies in the background and then whacks him off screen you're you're this- you're, you're- your whammy's for for a more innocent pre nine eleven time. A more wholesome. Press your luck. No, we're not going like that. Would be more fucked up if there was like nine eleven type whammies. Oh god. We are not yeah. doing that. We are not uh, doing Edward Snowden whammies. Thankfully, there's no Donald Trump whammy. The uh, yeah, orange. It- the orange Cheeto. Uh, wait, wait, wait! If this thing lasts more than a season, it'll it'll be there. But um, He's also gonna, this, another thing that tweeting about you. Another thing, another. Uh, an- I was just realizing, yeah, uh, that uh, a Trump whammy could have, would have, wor- would have been part of like the just two different eras of the show, because uh, for just you know the longevity. Well, of certain the pop whammy version uh, came out before Apprentice. That's true. So when, so if it was that, it would just be something like uh, he would be selling his casino <laughs> and yeah. declaring bankruptcy. Yeah. Anyway, um, well, what's we have anything left to cover with uh, with any particular of uh, like the history okay. or the history uh, of shows? so let's go through all the questions just once again. What happens each round? Done. What's the format? Press your luck or pass in a great luck based game show. What do they win? Lots of money. Uh, was it adapted or something? No second chance. I guess they did a few adaptations. There was a shitty Ludia game for Wii and I believe PC. Don't play yeah. it. It's awful. There, well, yeah. Well, there's. I think there's like there's two different games. There's there's a there's a version from yeah. There's a version from the uh, for from the Apple II. Yeah, the DOS the, era, uh, yeah. which had uh, I believe a pilot where it was lose one spin as a possibility. Hmm. How does it look? Uh, depends on which one. The modern Banks era looks beautiful. I, I love that set. Probably I would say that more even than Tamarkin because the way that they made a lot of blues and dark. Because press your luck board on Tamarkin is mostly orange. It's mostly yeah. orange background. A holdover from this, you said watch this. Watch the '70s Second Chance one, and that is that's '70s. It's the, that's the barely. It's barely anything other than orange. It's like sort of reddish and sort of yellowish, but mainly orange. '70s orange. Uh, the starburst of of the. How does right. it look? Great. Sometimes bad. How was the host? We already went through Tamarkin, Newton, Ricky Lake in the special, and Elizabeth Banks, who I love. I love Elizabeth Banks. Um, how's those? He great. So it looked like we were talking about music audio. Uh, they kept the old theme song. They made like a new like synthy reboot version. Mm-hmm. Then now like when some when there's that bonus round, all people remember is that do do like just those two tones, just that do do. That as hmm. they go on through the round, do 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 do. And you were talking music earlier, Jaren. In the as bonus round of Press Your Luck, uh, there's music. In like, the like- in the front game, it's just boop 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 boop. But now there's boop 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 boop, and then like a doom 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 doom, like a like a ten, like a as like a uh, is as a, a tense builder, okay. yeah, like a tense yeah. builder. And then there's a tense builder for do you want to press your luck or pass? If you go on, it's twenty five thousand. And Elizabeth like, Banks is is also kind of like a Peter Tamarkin in a, she is freaking out sometimes, and she's like needs to catch her breath. It's, it's nice to have an enthusiast. Uh, there's okay. Also, there's also a, a handheld press your luck. man versus man versus in style game. Production's nice, but it has that 80s greed as good mentality if you just got to keep going if you want to get rich. But there's that consequence of the whammy. The only other question is, should the show be rebooted? Would you, what would your version of Press Your Luck be? Uh, they did it. Because, like, I, I wrote this a long time ago. When you said you're doing Press Your Luck, I wrote this down. So, and I talked about it on, I believe, like, the June episode of, the, of Game Shows, I suppose. Uh, it's already there. But if it was me, I'd make it half hour with three players. 3,000 spin, 4,000 spin, 5,000 spin round one. Big buck yep. square. 
but that little board also has a whammy and a featured prize. So in round one, it's a big prize, like a big fancy vacation, Paris, London, you name it. But now instead of a trivia round to the spin board round, it's played unanimously. You get the three answers beforehand, like red, white, or blue, which is not a blood cell in the human body. You buzz in with the correct answer, you get the one spin for that question. And what you do if it's up to you, you can press your luck or pass it to an opponent in the hopes that they whammy. After seven questions, the most money gets the final quote-unquote 15th spin in round two. Round two, it's 6,000, 8,000, 10,000, and a car is the featured prize. One more seven-question board, and then if someone's in the lead, they need to keep answering questions to protect their bank or force others to whammy or whammy out. After all questions are given, the leader of round one gets the 15th spin unless they whammied out and can do whatever they wish because that is the most intense part of Press Your Luck is that final spin. When you're down to that one spin, that is when everything changes. You could be in third place and just say, I'm going to press my luck and try to build my board. Peter DeMarkin says one of my favorite things is you have no money. Uh, like so-and-so has 11,000. If you pass your spin and, and give it to Joe and Joe whammies, then like, then Jen will be your, then, then that will be your new best friend. Nat, you'll be your new best friend because he whammied and you'll be the winner because second place. So it becomes this game of friendship as well. The most money wins, keeps all their cash and prizes won. New set of players next week. Pretty good. Uh, all right. That, that's um, how I would do press your life. I love that set, though, and I love Elizabeth Banks. And I think if you do a half hour, it just... I don't think you'll be able to afford Elizabeth Banks. So there is only one last thing to do with this game show podcast. Hi. So, so Jeremy. Yes? I have five final questions. All right. And for each question you get right, you get one uh, plug, get all five... You win five free plugs. You up for it? Why not? Let's do this. All righty. Uh, then let's put 60 seconds on the clock. Dink. What is the Whammy's last name? No idea. If you had to pick a corner between 1500 spin, $3,000, or a trip to Hawaii, what would you take? $3,000. Who is your election 2020 candidate? Um, angry guy from Brooklyn. Would I be a wrong person to give a microphone to? No, I think you'd be fine. Usually the, uh... The the person the wrong person uh, referred to in the podcast title giving the wrong giving the, the my own fucking show what? I can't spit it out giving the light to the wrong person is me uh, due to a constant as you know just just evidenced a constant stream of mistakes errors and cell phone. What does the way me do with the money he steals? Uh, it depends on the era. Uh, I think mid eighties. He's probably because uh, he's a greedy corporate type. He's probably using money for like some sort of like iron. Uh, around uh, controversy, controversy thing, controversy, contra e thing. Uh, now, what is he doing with the money? Um, I was gonna say, uh, Nat, what? Nat, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna pass this question to Nat. Nat, what? What does the 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 whammy do with this? Uh, with the money he's he's investing it in his underground bunker for when the world ends. You know, his robot security. Yeah, his yeah his Jim Baker emergency food buckets. And they are buckets. I think we exceeded the 60-second limit, but you know what? You won. Excellent. <laughs> you got five free plugs. All right. Well, I will uh, I will let my co-hosts uh, uh, have some of the plugs. Uh, that would you. Uh, what would you like to plug? Well, you can listen to me talk about genre fiction from the feminine perspective on my own podcast at Meta Machina. That's M-E-T-A-M-A-S-H. Excellent. And uh, it's a show that's, uh, that, that I do that, that occasionally, occasionally uh, co-hosts on. And uh, it is at give, it is called giving the mic to the wrong person. It is at soundcloud.com slash giving the mic. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash giving the mic. Uh, we we have uh, we are one of the many many shows that are Patreon Patreon supported or at least attempting to. Patreon.com slash giving the mic. 
and on Twitter at giving the mic. We have uh, we just put out. Actually, I have no idea when this is going to air, but we are we are our, our recent episodes of talking to uh, the first uh, the first candidate for state office that Portland DSA that a couple of our members of uh, have just endorsed. And so we talked to the candidate and a member of her staff, and uh, so covering everything. It's the thing our particular show is a mix of socialist politics, Simpsons quotes, sarcasm, and occasion and references to Posadism. So. Um, hmm. And, and and once in a while, using we get a bit, I get a bit too in depth with uh, in, indulging in pro wrestling metaphors. So A E dub, yeah, A E dub indeed. You keep saying that. By the time this airs, I think all out would be uh, Aaron. Um, so so you you have two. That's three. You have three left. Uh, well, what are the things that I would like to plug? Um, well, I would like to plug uh, free veterinary care for all after we uh, achieve universal health care. Because the amount of well, uh, you know, how you know how much of GoFundMe's profits are derived from people doing medical necessities, but related to that, how much of GoFundMe medical drives are for people trying to get vet coverage? Uh, we have uh, one of our uh, one of our louder cat the cats that you might have just heard on mic, or I should say, way off mic, not too long ago, had had a brush with a broken leg. That's uh, we've been trying. We put up a goal for me to try to take care of her for veterinary care. She is lying over there in the middle of the living room floor like a cat floor pudding that she is. Um, so free. So what if we had a free universal uh, vet health care for all would help. People's fur children need uh, coverage too. Other things to plug. Um, I don't know. I've been podcasting for about four or five hours today so far. So I'm real close to running out of ideas. Um, Let's see. Give me a second to think about this, I guess. Oh, uh, how about this? I will plug, because we, ju- we just earlier recorded an interview with them. Check out, there's an author, his book was just put on a new edition from Verso Books. Um, Max Elbaum's put out a, a, a book called Revolution in the Air. It is his kind of recounting, because he was there at the time and talking to folks about what happened when you had like, all the 60s radicals, when they somehow they changed into getting more into supporting third world revolution stuff and started reading Didn't you, you just know. have him on your show yeah uh, it hope we'll see it, it it the the interview we that we did we did with him maybe will be out by the time this air this particular uh yeah uh, probably you, we, the fun part is we usually upload at the, about the same day which is always fun to me <laughs> yeah and um but yeah it was a great interview with max elbaum talking about everything from like I said, he, he's going through his history of being. He was a part of the of the new communist movement in the seventies. Wrote a lot in his book, and so and he's been you know working and writing and uh, trying to organize with this stuff for years now. So um, you know, talking to him about like, what's the difference between say like you know all of those sixties activists in in SDS and how that kind of crumbled into the various seventies formations versus with you know the, you know how do kind of the the new left fizzled out, but now we're in the era of the new new left or whatever the hell we're going to call this movement. You know what are the what are the the similarities and differences between the two? So that so check keep an eye out for that episode. It might already be available. Um, it might not. We'll find out. Uh, my I'm the one going to be editing it, and my production style is time intensive. What can I? Think? Um, other uh, anything else? Uh, what the hell what was that? I'm trying to think of like a band. Uh, um, okay, listen, yeah, listen, listen to the new records from Sincere Engineer and uh, and uh, West Coast W E S T. Q-U-S-T, both um, women-fronted uh, indie and shoegazer band that are great. Oh, right. you have them all down. 
uh, you might have to send me like a DM for some of these links. Um, but before we do go, uh, because oh, wait, check out Nat's podcast too. It's great. Nat, uh, we barely did talk this episode, unfortunately, but I, I know you, you, you didn't really know much about press your luck. You I, like I said, I thought I was going this. on a game show podcast where I'd answer trivia. So, you know, Oh, uh, <laughs> do you want some trivia? Okay. Um, so, that, that was my mistake for uh, for for a lack of preparation, lack of proper preparation. And oh, oh, no uh, problem. Uh, so so let's just do some quick trivia questions then, uh, so you at least feel like you you got your thing. And so, uh, the Dis, Dis, what is the most recent land opened at Disneyland <laughs> in California? Edge. <laughs> How do you know I'm a Star Wars? Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> I know because Which all my U.S. president are... was known as the Bachelor President. Oh, I don't know that one. <laughs> that would be James Buchanan. And, and then finally, uh, what is the big uh, based on box office reports? What was the biggest movie of 2018? Um, 2018 was that? The I... correct answer was Avengers: Infinity War. Oh, yeah, was yeah, of Avengers. I was going to say it was one of those big superhero movies but. either avengers or probably one of the, one of those one of those lame disney remakes yeah because i mean the year before that i think they had beauty and the beast oh no it was the last year so so there you got your trivia and if you have any last minute questions about weird game shows let me know i'm, I'm still here i'm excited to listen to your podcast especially because i do want to know more about stuff i mean my i'm have you ever covered supermarkets yeah we can do that like, well i don't need to cover it but <laughs> i want to listen to, i don't know why i was just so obsessed with that show and maybe because of the whole act of like figuring out pricing oh, we'll go through that we'll go down line. i had to eventually cover every game show so this is a nightmare i've created upon myself this is the simpsons hell this is the donuts yeah podcasts are labors of love that we just torture ourselves so yeah. so uh jeremy nat thanks for pressing your luck thanks for having me Quick and a quick, uh, quick minor bit of a down and up, but just a something to uh, rest in power, Peter Tamarkin, um, who unfortunately uh, passed. You know, just the he died in two thousand six. But do you, uh, do you know the story behind his death? He was transferring, I believe, in Oregon or something for for a sick kid. He, yes, he and his wife were private pl- pilots, and they were part of called I believe it was called um, uh, Angel Flight West. They were a nonprofit that did just free and heavily reduced like emergency medical transports. They were they were on their way to uh, they were on their way to San Diego to pick up a uh, to do a life flight for cancer patients and mechanical error. Their uh, their plane wound up going down in uh, in Santa Monica Bay and they, they did not survive. But they um, they they since like the the family and the children have. Uh, have established a, a group called Tamarkin's Heroes a Fund in, the minim- in, in their memory too. Anyway, but that, yeah, but like I said, it's the uh, so much of the original show was the aesthetic and and the host. So a minor uh, memory, a uh, minor um, credit to, and we ended a downer. It's, we're good for that. So rest in power, Tamarkin, and uh, thanks again once again, Jeremy and Nat. Uh, thank yeah, thanks again for spending time and um, feel free to chop a hell of a lot of, uh, of this up. I uh, I edit I edit my. Uh, I edit myself heavily for just in a, in a half-assed attempt at vague going. I am not always successful. I, I think we'll be fine. And, and if this doesn't work, then you can always send me your audio file, and we'll collaborate on that, too. Other yep. than that, we're good. All right, Thanks excellent. again, okay. everybody. And now we will see, oh, shit, I forgot portion of the show. Take it away. <laughs> Thank you so much to Jeremy and Natalie. It was a bit awkward <laughs> during it, but I it, it's something that it was it, it spoke a lot to me. 
I can check out giving the mic to the wrong person. And of course, you can check out uh, Meta Machina, it, available now as well on all of these podcast platforms. You learn a lot of stuff. Uh, so when when I was thinking of Press Your Luck, I mean, like, I this is the show that, that spoke the most to me. So it, it's, it's tough because we're running low on time here. But uh, for starters, Press Your Luck has this cult uh, phenomenon because nowadays there's a bit of big bucks, no whammies. People say that now outside of the world of Press Your Luck. Big bucks, no whammies because of this show. And if you think about it, the chunky character from I Think You Should Leave, Tim Robinson's Netflix sketch comedy show, has direct inspiration behind the GS and whammy costume, complete with the red fuzzy thing in the yellow eyes. Which I thought is also very interesting when it came to this. Because the show was going in development, and I we were talking about all sorts of situations here. Uh, I talked about like how I would fix the in-game earlier, where I would say it's five rounds of five spins each. And it's $10,000, 10000 spin, 20000 And then next round is 20000 20000 spin, or 40000 Then 30000 30000 spin, 60,000, 40,000, 40,000 and spend 80,000, 50,000, 50,000 and spend 100,000. And the goal being in each of these rounds, you have to collect all five of your dream prizes. If you win the full list, you get to keep all five items and you get a million bucks. I think that would have been the better approach. I love the this new bonus game because now there is this interaction where we get to know the contestants better based on their personalized prizes which has some level of heart to the show that i don't think a lot of shows are really capable of doing correctly and now that becomes a new talking point it's like if you were the the winning contestant what would your five prizes be so it's like okay well throw out the game show things for jordan it's like well he likes uh nightwing so some superhero stuff Maybe the Batmobile, because, whoa, wouldn't that be interesting? The Batmobile. Uh, or or hamburgers for a year, because Mr. Goodnight Hamburger on Twitter. Uh, stuff like that always always sparks my mind. I talked about it in the recording, the, uh, the idea if I were to reboot the show, it would have been seven questions in round one. You buzz in, correct answer gets you to spin, to play on the board, or you can pass it to an opponent of your choice, so you can protect your score if you want to. Round one has a featured trip. Round two has a featured car. Whoever got the most in round one gets the final spin in round two, which is like a secret 15th spin. And I thought that would have been a more interesting take on, on Press Your Luck if we're going to a half-hour mode of the show. Um this show is just so much fun to watch. I can't get enough of, of Press Your Luck. I think this new version with all of its weird squares and fun prizes is just fun. And I hope it gets that season two pickup. I love Elizabeth Banks in this. And everyone on this show is fantastic and great and nice. And I just can't get enough of this show. Um, but now it's time to close the books on Press Your Luck and Whammy, the all-new Press Your Luck, and all of its feathers and goop, as well as, you know, the, I don't know, the Filipino version Whammy Push Your Luck or that Australian Press Your Luck with the low stakes. I haven't forgotten about those. It's just there's not much to say about them. Low stakes. Um, it's, it's time to close the books on Press Your Luck. Uh, I, 
this is this is sad we might go back to it some other time but until then it's time for the 110 part series exploring every pricing game on the price is right this is the pricing game spotlight It's time for Grand Game! The, the, thank you? Uh, Grand Game. A premiere date, Bob Barker era, May 16th, 1980. Tape number 3685D. Finale era of Barker, June 14th, 2007, 4034K. Premier date, Drew Carey, October 17th, 2007, 404-3K, or November 13th, 2007, played on center stage. Grand Game is a game where contestants can win up to $10,000 in cash by picking products that are under a target price. The contestant starts with $1 displayed on a game board and a target price. The contestant is then shown six grocery items four of which are priced below the target price, and two which are priced above. The contestant selects an item they believe is less than the target price. If they're correct, their winnings are multiplied by 10, so be $10. This is repeated two more times, multiplying to $100 and then $1,000. To this point, if a contestant selects a price item above the target price, they leave with the amount shown on the board, including $1 for choosing incorrectly on the first pick. After winning $1,000, the contestant may quit the game and keep the $1,000 in cash, or they can risk it to choose the one last remaining product that does not exceed that target price. If the contestant picks the last item that is below that target price, they will win the top prize of $10,000. If he or she gets it wrong, however, the contestant wins nothing and the game is over. The game premiered May 16th, 1980. The first winning grand game was on November 10th, 1980. Uh, 3861D, the eighth playing of grand game. The winner, Samoan named Pauline Anderson, proceeded to chase Bob Barker around the stage, resulting in a classic moment in many clip specials. On one occasion, it was played on the April Fool's Day episode, when Bob Barker turned the show's April Fool when the team was being displayed during a playing of Switch. The displays for the grocery items were originally light green on dark green, but they changed the current dark green to yellow in 1982, definitely on February 2nd. 4382D. From late 1984 to April 1990, the game was introduced with a graphic saying $10,000 in red lettering. Until early 1986, the graphics simply just read 10000 The music sting used to introduce the game's last few seconds to the theme of Family Feud. Have you ever noticed that? The last five seconds? That's the Family Feud theme. From September 14th, 1992 to June 16th, 1984, the game used the 1988 and now current theme song. On the new prices, right, small prizes were used, and target prices ranged from $50 to over $100. The game was accompanied by the Fortune Hunter intro cue. More on that later. Uh, originally, the giant price tag was placed all the way down, meaning the top of the grand game side would be seen, thus ruining the mystery of what game would be played next. Later on, the giant price tag was raised up on a different opening slot was used. 
On March 6, 2000, a new phone was introduced for the $10,000 portion of the game. However, the .00 remained the original font style until it got replaced on April 4, 2000, k Starting May 17, 2002, Green Game's top prize for primetime specials was $20,000. On September 5, 2012, Green Game was played for $40,000 to celebrate 40 years of The Price is Right. Contestant Pamela Howard, who first appeared in the 76 Dennis James version and won an airplane, lost the game on the last pick. April 25th, 2013, uh, November 19th, 2014, uh, and October 5th, 2015, uh, they decided to do Big Money Week, uh, and the grand game was played for $100,000, starting out at $10, which means now it's... Um, the first and second, their players were lost on third pick. They won a thousand bucks. The fourth playing was a wipeout on the first pick, ten dollars. Okay, so that's how basically it's just a hundred thousand, ten thousand. Okay, that makes sense. Note that the first playing, air for order, the board operator flipped to zero. If the contestant lost on the third pick, which violates standards of practices for broadcasting, thus the contestant wins the money as host Drew Carey informed the ensuing showcase showdown. June 24th, 2016, celebration for the 11,000 episode of The Young and Restless, Green Game was played for eleven thousand dollars. And it started out at $1.10. On top of that, it was one. The appearance of Grand Game was updated April 2nd, 2013, to include an updated Grand Game sign and new electronic displays for the money ladder, which no longer had the .00 in the target price. If the contestant loses, the flashing lights on the two displays would stop flashing and freeze. If the contestant loses everything on the fourth slot, both electronic displays turn red and the money ladder goes down to zero. Grand Game was won 13 times out of the 14 that had been played on the primetime version of The Price is Right. $10,000 was won the second, fourth, fifth uh, primetime special from 1986. 10 for 11 had a cash prize of $20,000. There were won six of those wins were from Bob Barker's tenure, and four of those wins were from Drew's tenure. This is the only one of two pricing games that do not involve any of the show's models. The other one being that current pricing game, Hot Seat. On the April Fool's Day 2016 episode, the $10,000 bill from Punch Buns was set up for the game, and grocery items were light blue to match the, pro- the target price. It was supposed to be a bit. Uh, January 9th, 2019, $20,000 bonus because of Publisher's Clearinghouse. Okay, whatever. Trivia. <clears throat> to make the game work, the staff would do one of two methods. For one, they can either show the target price and find four grocery items less than the target price, with the other two being the target price. Or two, they can select any six grocery items and then place a target price so that four are below and the two are above the target price for the game. The most number of times... Grand Game was played in any season was 30. Foreign versions. While Grand Game's rules in our countries tend to use the same in the United States, they have different cash prices, such as $2,000 in Canada's Mise Joues or 10,000 francs in France's Le Joues de Prix, equaling about $2,000 after conversion to the euro. Germany's The Purse is Rick uh, was overhauled on their version called Vier Mal de Null, or four times the zero, to win the 10,000 Deutschmark Grand Prize. A contestant had to pick which was the correct product to a given question, i.e., which costs more. Like in the US, they started at Deutsche Mark 1 and they used grocery items. The enemy's version, the contestant selects an item priced above the target price. If they don't get to keep the money they've earned, no matter how many times they pick correctly, they start at zero and Audi. Unlike most countries, they start with one. Uh, so that, that's, that's it. I love the sign, I love the way it displays. It's one of the classic games. I I can't um, say anything negative about this other than it's 
one of my all-time favorite pricing games, a classic. It's it's simple. It's a nice way to display grocery items, and it's fun. A great play-along. It's basically avoid the two highest-priced items and you win. Uh, other than that, you're good. Next time on the Pricing Game Spotlight, we're going to see if it's now or then. So over the weekend, I watched a new game show. Uh, this is the one we talked about a few weeks ago called Hyperdrive. This is Cherise Theron's racing car show. Uh, that was supposed to be sounding like it's the new Fast and Furious, but as a game show. Uh, car-based game shows kind of come across as hokey stuff that you would see on the Speed Channel, uh, stuff that you would see on YouTube sponsored by Monster Energy Drink, uh, and mostly it just comes across as crummy filler television. Watching Hyperdrive, it's the flip opposite of any other car show I have ever seen. This is a show where you don't really have to be a car expert to watch. It helps slightly. But even if you don't know much about the technical being that is driving a car, racing a car, or what goes in an engine, this is a car show that is interesting to watch. Uh, oh, there's a lot of comparisons to American Ninja Warrior, and that is sound because it's basically an obstacle course race game show. Uh, it is hosted by Lindsey Karnak. Uh, it's hosted by Mike Hill, Michael Bispring, and Rutledge Wood. Uh, basically, you have an MMA guy, you have two sports commentators, and you have Rutledge, who is this being that is like an expert in all things cars. Uh, usually, you see him doing NASCAR events or talking about the insides of cars. So seeing him, along with a bunch of sports commentators, gives us a sports presentation feel similar to that of American Ninja Warrior. Similar to that as well, you have the video packages to let you understand the racers. The rules of the game are quite simple. There's qualifiers, then there's knockout rounds, and then there's a final. Uh, essentially, they got to go through a, a racetrack. And on this racetrack, there are five, six, seven, or eight obstacles along the way. Some are as simple as basically like drift your car into like a sign so it knocks it off. Another in, involves doing like 180 degree turns. Others involve leveling a bridge uh, or driving before an, a water cannon sprays your car and basically, I guess, totals it or something. Uh, they all bring their own cars to the show, which is kind of weird. And there's no real understanding if Netflix covers any of the costs for damages on the show, which is a bit of a negative because some of these people bring in $200,000 luxury like Lamborghinis and others bring their family station wagon that they tricked up from South Africa. And then you're kind of going, oh, uh, well, there's a big wealth gap in difference in this show. And it's it's fascinating to understand. Now, Sharice Theron is the executive producer. She doesn't make that many cameos in this. I think I only counted like two which is kind of disappointing, but I'm glad because this is presented as a sports broadcast and the obstacles are very clever. The aesthetic is a lot of neon, a lot of blue, a lot of green. A lot of, it reminds me of Million Dollar Mile, but better. The set is this weird industrial plant looking thing, 
but it looks like something straight out of Final Fantasy VII with the steam and the industrial that is just mesmerizing. And it feels like an aspirational show. A lot of these are racers, I understand, and they do these drift racing and street racing and other events in their in their countries. But it feels like the way they're storytelling this is this is the only show where this is legally allowed. This is the only show where this is not only a competition, this is a sport where they can do whatever they want and weird car dreams can come true. And a lot of these obstacles are fascinating. I am gravitated towards these obstacles. Uh, there's a driver and then on their headset is a friend or family member who's also there to talk to them. And there is this dialogue bubble that also plays into some heightened level to the game where it's not just, are you a good driver? It's, can your partner relay the information to you so you don't screw up well enough? And then if you're beaming up, the driver's also moral support and you get some moments like that, which are also helpful. And while that's going on, there's a sports broadcast that doesn't overwhelm the show. You get Rutledge talking about the technical details. You get uh, Mike Hill talking about what goes into uh, each each race obstacle, which one it tests. You get uh, Michael talking about Mike Bispring, uh, who, who's, I believe he's the, he's the MMA guy. He, he brings this sort of like he's trying to storytell the contestants like here's this family and family matters most and it's a family car business and they're working to try one no real word what like the prize is other than like a trophy which is kind of weird but i'm still gravitate towards this i love tournament formats if they work this one works the only complaint is that like the knockout rounds like the the early qualifier rounds is if you are in the the top three, you move on to the finals. The next six move on to the next slate of shows, and then with another six contestants. But there's four of those. So if you're one of the six new contestants on the fourth and final series, you don't really get as much opportunities as the ones that showed up in the first or second episodes, which I find to be kind of a, a trick, which I don't really understand. That's my only complaint with the game is the there's not a lot of fairness in the show and not a lot of um, equal footing, shall we say. But I think they're trying to go for something that is like human battle bots. And when I mean, I'm sorry, like you remember uh, human robot wars, maybe those qualifier rounds before they did just the fight sequences. They had like a race or grab the items and little trick things. It reminds me of that. And it's very fascinating to watch. Highly technical, highly fun. And it's a show that I just can't stop watching. Now, I've watched a lot of Netflix game shows here. We've watched Awake. We've watched Flinch. We've watched Nailed It. And we've watched uh, Blow, Blow Away. Was it Blown Over? Blown Over? Blow, the, blow, the glass blowing show that everyone was excited for. And then I kind of was like, oh, it's okay. That's fine. This tops all of those. Hyperdrive is great. I want to keep watching Hyperdrive. This does not feel like I'm watching ultra macho television show uh, fueled by Rockstar. This feels like a show where you get to understand these these people throwing basically hundreds of thousands of dollars into cars and watch them get spun out, drift out, crash into walls, and other stuff. And it's it's actually an enjoyable show. 
I thought I would go into it just going, it's all right. But the more I watched, the more it gravitated me towards the show. And I think mostly because it's Rutledge. If it wasn't for Rutledge giving a technical background and explaining why this is exciting and his prestige in racing shows already, such as the Kentucky Derby or NASCAR or Formula One, this would be meaningless. Putting him on this show gives that seal of approval that makes me actually believe this is a legit competition and makes me believe this is a great show. Is this a game show? Yes, sports could be considered game shows. This is not like a league game. This is a competition show where people get eliminated every week until one's left standing. That this is great, and I love it, and that's why I'm giving it a solid A. Not an A+, plus, not an A-, minus, just a solid A. It's a recommendation if you have Netflix, go check out Hyperdrive, especially after, you know, you watch Fast and Furious movies. It kind of felt that good to me, at least. So before we end the show tonight, uh, we had a few questions because this is the fifth episode. Uh, Lisa wants to know, are you too stressed to press? Uh, depends on how much money I have left, what hammy spins are left, what's on the bonus rise, uh, who's in second place, am I in second place? But other than that, I'm going to press my luck. Uh, Gertrude wants to know, what was the first broadcast that we might recognize as a game show? Uh, they did Spelling Bee in the UK. I, I mean, that's that's the one I can think of right now is just Spelling Bees. The first recorded game show was a Spelling Bee, but it wasn't really like a like a like a proper Spelling Bee contest. It was kind of like a weekly thing, which I think was interesting. So so Spelling Bee, I believe was the name. I believe it was a UK thing too. I mean, there was also newspaper uh, shows, newspaper quizzes uh, to try and sell newspapers. That's an Adam's book, Game Shows FAQ. Uh, but other than that, no, I think it's, I would say Spelling Bee, but there's like a newspaper quiz as well. Um, so I think that's going to do it for our 50th episode. Thank you so much for stopping by. For game shows, I suppose, join us next Wednesday for another great game show, I suppose. Uh, for more information on this podcast, go to jordanhaas.com slash podcast. Uh, we are available on Apple Podcasts. We're available on Google Play. We're pretty much anywhere. Uh, if you see a rating, please rate the show, especially on Apple Podcasts. Give it that five stars. Let me know your favorite game show, and we might cover it in a future show. Uh, if you want to talk to me on social media, I'm Jordan pretty much anything, including Twitter, J-O-R-D-H-A. And I can't wait to hear from you. Uh, until then, I want to thank you for pressing your luck. And big smooch! Mwah!